Khalif Raymond from the 30. Flag is down. And Raymond has run out of bounds. Another flag comes in at the 32. There are six flags on the field. Tuesday, June 27th, National Decide to Be Married Day. I thought this would be good because obviously we have to celebrate Mick engagement. Connor McDavid's engagement, he decided to be married this week, so congratulations to him. I do have some questions about this day, as if this is like a, is this like a forced marriage thing? Like, do you decide to be married with someone or is it more of a joint agreement? Like, is this a cancelable day now, potentially? Well, I was, I also see it as like the, maybe like the guys who are like married, but they're kind of, you know, stepping out or messing around on the side. They're like, this is the day you decide to go like recommit, mm. you know, to the marriage that you already have. No, not saying any names, but maybe like a, a white guard who plays for the heat, who goes by no limit sometimes. This would yeah. be something that he could potentially do. No, this would be a great day for him. Yeah. I'm getting Lala and Carmelo, she was married, I wasn't vibes. That's what I'm getting from this situation here. You got anything yeah. on deciding to be married, Alex? Like Owen made a good point. It could be that. I'm like where you're just maybe like, all right, like I might have to get out and regroup. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, reset, reset at the top. Just of the hit the reset, rebuild, rebuild. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It might be a cancelable day. If it's like a forced thing, I don't know. Yeah, maybe not so 2023. I don't know. Yeah. It's just kind of a weird way to call it. Like National Engagement Day or something would be better. Yeah. And get again, congratulations to the McDavid's. I'm looking I think I there's like a two percent chance I could snag an invite, which would be sick. I would love that. Two yeah. percent is just crazy high. <laughs> like how what's the scenario that plays out where you get that where that two percent hits? Like this I'm whole curious. time he's been listening. Okay. That's yeah. kind of what I was hoping for, but just invites the season ticket holders. <laughs> <laughs> they get yeah. married at Rogers place. Yeah. <laughs> just to thank you to the fans. I did like the people who are like, well, her ring is in the shape of an oil drop. It's like, I don't think that went into consideration actually yeah. when he was purchasing the ring. Yeah. I don't think that's, I think like he, like, you know, he, he like the Oilers are like his work and stuff like that's his job, but I don't think it influences like every single thing he does. Yeah, I would say that's a fair estimation. Um, yeah. It is a good episode because we have Rig already bookmarked for the back half. So stick around till the end. I think this was the saddest I've ever interacted with him. He seemed really quite defeated about this whole flame situation. I don't know, Alex, maybe you can vouch, but it wasn't the usual, you know, boistering yeah. this year we're coming for you it wasn't like that yeah i thought rig was gonna be more optimistic um and i thought we weren't gonna agree as much um but we actually did he was you know we agreed um you know with most of my points and i me with his so he doesn't seem you know as fired up as you know he was last year um so i mean when you got when the rig is just sad, then you like you messed up. And that's when you know the organization has failed the fans. <laughs> Absolutely. Even when the rig doesn't like think we're good, you know it's it's a heat situation. 
I would say. So stick around for that. It is good. So it's going to be at the end of the show. It is kind of an abrupt ending, I will say right now, because there was when I was editing it out, trying to figure out how to fix the ending, there was no real ending because Owen turned up for the last five minutes and then just started asking questions about what type of license he has on his golf card. So it's just yeah. a very abrupt ending. Um, so just so people know that that's coming. I'd say... Honestly, the number one thing I'm seeing online this week is it feels like the whole summer is leading towards Barbie versus Oppenheimer on the 21st of July. It seems like this is the number one thing going on. The uh, the Barbie house popped up today. I don't know if you saw that where it's like a real life version and Oppenheimer's just going with the old school, like, you know, the day it comes out and maybe one trailer and you're not going to get any other info. I, I kind of like that strategy more. I'm not going to lie. I'm more interested in the how how are people going to choose to watch both movies? Because I've been seeing lots of bangers on Twitter. Um, I saw a different one, which was... I sent one into the boys group chat. I think it was you see Barbie first and then you see Oppenheimer. But um, this one Twitter user had actually switched it up. And she said that, you know, you wake up, you have a cigarette and just a black coffee. And you go see Oppenheimer right away, like before noon. Um, and then once you're done with that, you go out for brunch, maybe go to the mall, and then you go see Barbie. So um, don't hate that option either. I kind of like that one. Well, the first one's pretty good too. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, the first one, I don't remember exactly how it goes, but... Uh, I think it's like it some, options, some yeah. mimosas. To go, oh, yeah. Go to the theater and then like a nap. Maybe just summon some rain and just grind out some Oppenheimer for three yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. sounds like the play. I, I think. Which one are you more excited for? It's it's close, honestly, but I think I got to go Oppenheimer, dude. Yeah, I'm gonna go Oppenheimer too. Yeah, I have to say Oppenheimer, but like for me, Barbie's a bit. Uh, it's a bit of a wild card because on paper it doesn't seem like something I'd really be into, but like all the buzz is is telling me that it's gonna be like really good. It is a Gosling movie. Yeah. It's going to be a great day. We're going to both at the, on the same day. I just want that to be very clear. We just have to figure out what type of pattern we want to go in. That's the only decision left because I am uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. I guess basketball, we can do that first. I think the number one thing everybody wants to hear about right now is Grady Dick. I think the Raptors snagging him and Owen's sort of affinity for these type of players has created uh, honestly a perfect storm for this show because let's start with Owen and I guess you're sort of a loose Raptors guy what are you expecting yeah. him to bring to Canada uh well from what I've seen on social media I'm expecting to, him to bring like a, he's really different he's like a different breed um I'm expecting him to bring a lot of swag uh like a lot of drip um <laughs> So <laughs> that's kind of what I'm expecting from, from Grady Dick here. As far as like his play style, Alex was kind of saying this the other day. He, to me, is like his own coach says he's not a really great defender. I'm not really sure what he does offensively except for shoot the ball. So it sounds like you're getting like a discount, dunk, like a Duncan Robinson that, with, that shoots a little bit worse from three to me. <laughs> so I'm not, you know, I'm not really – he does have the swag and the drip that Duncan Robinson doesn't have, so I guess that's the upside. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like a little bit of uh, like a hybrid Max Struess mixed with uh, Dylan Brooks a little bit. 
That's that's when you can get that at thirteen in the draft with Cam Whitmore on the board. I'd say you do it ten times out of ten. I think Alex, this is this is tougher for you. I would say because you usually come out against these type of people. But actually, something I do is I go through your like tweets before the show to see like what type of things I can get you going on. And I've noticed a whole string of like Grady Dick highlight tapes and the video of him talking to Scotty Barnes, where I don't know if English was spoken in that entire video. That was just two guys blubbering back and forth. So it seems like you're excited, but I wouldn't expect that from you. Well, I was pretty anti this type of player for the Raptors. I still think, you know, like might be nice to maybe get a guard. Um (laughs) So, and, and someone who can handle the ball and, you know, set the table as they say. Um, and I think there were some decent options up there on the table for us. Um, I just don't like that. You know, the main guy's thing is three point shooting. He shot 40% from, uh, from three at Kansas. It's like, okay. And he's going to be playing in the NBA now. So like, I, I don't really expect him to be shooting 40% from the, like in the NBA. I think it's much tougher to do that. Um, and that's about it. They said he tries hard on defense, but he's not a good defender. So that's not great. Um, and I don't know, it doesn't really seem like he's the kind of guy that makes people around him better. I'm trying to, you know, convince myself and, you know, like the guy. And I mean, everyone else was pretty happy with the pick. Everyone said that they thought, you know, he should have even gone earlier. They thought the Jet Howard pick before that was kind of weird, um, for Orlando and that, you know, Greedy Dick slipped and that it was, a good pick by Toronto because you know they need shooting but I don't know I don't think like you really assess shooting at the draft I I don't know I think you can find different options I think the 13th pick is really valuable and I don't think you should be using the 13th pick in the draft to assess shooting really wasn't Devin Booker 13th pick yeah yeah he was there was some banger 13th picks I think Colby was 13th too I mean look we'll see but People are like comparing him to maybe a Tyler Hero or something. I don't know. We'll see. But um, ceiling Tyler Hero. Yeah, but like I said, I just I don't think you want like a Corey Kispert, Doug McDermott with the thirteenth pick. You well, know? credit to I'll give credit to Corey Kispert. He was like a legit three and D. Like Grady Dick is not a good defender. He's like, just even like by a his own three. coach. Yeah. I, I need something more from you, honestly, because I think you can, there's a lot of guys in the NBA that you can find that are, you know, three-point specialists. But I don't know. Maybe his offensive game's nasty. I don't know. But, we'll, like, it's just, like, I just don't like the whole focus on the on the three and nothing else. Alex is being very kind by talking about the, you know, the on-court ability, but he skirted around the red suit, the Drake wearing yeah. my jersey as a priority, and then... I don't, the obvious elephant in the room, number one dick has got to be the worst jersey of all time. That That is just terrible. Yeah, it's a little too much for me, honestly. The suit and the, uh, and the jersey number and the Donald Duck impression that everyone was freaking out about. The TikToks. Um, TikToks were a little crazy. He loves to dance. Like, I don't know. I think him and Scotty Barnes is going to be a little too much because Scotty Barnes kind of, does that stuff too um so i don't know it might be a little too much cringe for my liking i don't know if you guys saw the wizards pick Bilal kulabali i'm all i'm all the way in on him yeah i agree uh, with you he was victor's t- teammate 
for anybody who doesn't know. And he was like basically unknown. He's playing on like their teenage, like U21 team. He's 18, but or he was 18 at the start of the year. He's playing on their U21 team. And then they just had all obviously all these scouts at their games because of Victor, like because of Wemby. And then he got all this attention and, and like he kind of blew up and then ends up going seventh or whatever it was. So he looks like just a beast. And uh, I'm buying a lot of his stock, a lot of his stock. I'm all in on him too. I think he's like a winning player. And he and he yeah. does he does the right things. Now the Wizards are interesting because since the last time we spoke, they did pick up Jordan Poole uh, for Chris Paul, which I guess we could talk about. But I think the Wizards, I think we've said this not on the show. Their idea of like, you know what, we don't even want picks back. We just want to like reshuffle the cards and see what happens. I think it's a pretty decent idea. I actually I. I do understand that if they couldn't make the plan with Porzingis and Beal and Kuzma, that they probably won't make it with Poole, Tyus Jones, and Bilal. I do understand that. But I, I just the vibes are improving around the Wizards. And I, honestly, the 2017 Wiz that had like John Wall and Gortat were sick. And and I, I want the Wizards to be good again. It seems like they're on the path to doing that. So I do wonder how Jordan Poole is going to fit with them, though. I, he could do a decent Beal impersonation, I'm sure. I mean, he's not really going to compete for, you know, too many, um, like he's kind of going to be the guy that's going to be shooting there. He's going to get a lot of shots up. Like it's going to look a little Jalen Greenish, I'd, I'd say. Like I, I think his points he, per game are going to go up a lot. And well, I think Jalen Green, didn't he average like 20 points per game? I would rather him play like some other players. Maybe I think that would be good. I Oh, dude, I don't think that's happening. Like who, like who, who do like, who do you think? He's gonna play like, like I, I don't know. I was kind of hoping for maybe like a soft Lou Williams impression. I don't like. We'll see. It all depends, you know, how the Wizards want to utilize him. But I think they brought him in there for you know to be the top dog there, take most shots, and um, but yeah, like I said, I, I people were criticizing the Wizards. I think actually in summation of things, when you actually look all the guys that they moved out and all the guys that they brought in, it's actually not not as bad. Um. As, as people are, are, are saying. So um, it'll be interesting to see where they go. 2017 whiz were sick. So I'm definitely, I'm definitely down. And they got a guy that the, like the Spurs were really in on. I think the reason, the only guy the Spurs were going to take in that, because there were reports of them moving in, I think to the top 10 to draft another guy. was to get Koulibaly. Now I get the Wembanyama connection, but um, that's like the Spurs were still, it looked like they were willing to pay a hefty price to pick him. So um, anytime the Spurs are in on a guy and you're taking him, I think it's a it's a pretty good bet. He'll be a solid player. Yeah, well, I I think it would have been good to put him with with Wembenyama, but it, it seemed like the price was crazy high. Like I wouldn't risk trading yeah. Vassell or Keldon Johnson to get back yeah. in that spot. And can I say, um, Denny Avgia is now the longest tenured Wizard on the team. Let's go. Is he so, is he good? Do we know? No, he. Like he's bad. But yeah, like the Wizards just having a bunch of guys. I like it. Just a bunch of dudes. It's kind of a good marketing. So where do you think they'll finish though this year? Like, do you think they'll be a play-in team? Yeah. Maybe. I can see that happening. I don't think the East is super like stacked or anything. Yeah. So um, especially they're gonna they're gonna have that cool like uh those cool like sweet boxes, almost like kind of courtside. It's gonna be like um kind of like what NFL teams do. Yeah, where they like have those like suites like right on the field. 
it's like the Wiz are kind of doing that. They're doing their own take on that. So I think it's going to pump the boys up a little bit more. They're on the court, especially Jordan Poole. But yeah. I'm not getting it into why. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. It's like when, remember 10 years ago when the Hawks wanted to put the barber shop in like the, mm-hmm. in the arena for yeah. like fans to come get a haircut mid game. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. God help you. If you were going to the Hawks to get a haircut, you're like, I'm going to stop by the Hawks game tonight, like scoop up a haircut in the second yeah. quarter. Maybe get some nachos, come back for the second half. I I think this is an innovative idea, especially because they're the Wizards and they can try that type of stuff. So the Hornets, I guess, are the other good one coming out of this. Because they did the draft did kind of start at two with uh, Brandon Miller over Scoot. And it it has gotten heat, I would say. The heat levels have gone up in the last couple days. Uh, It started when he said Paul George was his GOAT, which... I mean, I understood what he was saying. Like, his best-case scenario is maybe being Paul George because nobody can, like, be LeBron. But at the mm-hmm. same time, when they ask you, who's your GOAT, I would maybe just approach it in a more diplomatic way. I'm probably going to go to the Hornets. Let me just say Jordan. And then I'd yeah. never get brought up again. So that was a bit of a miscalculation. And then he had the, I'll see, I see the Hornets in the finals next season, which, heat, they've never been in the finals before. They've never been to round two in my life. So it was a little bit overzealous, I would say. But I think the Hugo the Hornet clip is probably the most damning part of this pick. The, the mascot, I, I, he probably got fired, no? He would have to. Happened. He like he like grabbed his head when they announced the pick, right? Yeah. I didn't see this. There yeah, was no, Owen, it was insane. They had like a draft party in the arena, and uh, all the fans were like, no, when they drafted Brandon Miller. And, and Hugo the Hornet participated. <laughs> Hugo the Hornet threw his hands, threw his uh, little stingers up on his head when they took Brandon Miller. He couldn't believe yeah. it. Disappointment. I, I, you have to be out of a job instantly. I think if you do that, like you have literally one responsibility is just put your hands up and act excited. Can I say I, I don't, I, I don't like the pick. I don't, yeah, I don't think that's the that. best player. I don't think that was the best player available. I think you draft Scoot and you just figure it out from there. Like, I don't care. Like, LaMelo Ball is still a baby. Like, he's not some, like, 10-year vet, first-team um, first team all-star, like, that, you know, you're going to be worried that you're offending if you draft a guy that plays a similar position than him. Like, I, I don't care. You're the Charlotte Hornets. I, I don't want to hear about, you know, being redundant and – Oh, will one guy get the ball more? Will this guy get the ball more? I think Scoot was the obvious pick there, um, in my opinion. Um, but I do want to cut the kids some slack about the Paul George thing. I, I think we have to realize like these kids are being born in 2003 and 2004, and none of them, just like us, ever watched Jordan. Um, I get the Hornets thing, and you might want to please Jordan, but I think we got to like let the Jordan stuff go and like all these other players that played in like the eighties and the nineties, it's like, you can't expect these kids to say they're the goat when like no one ever actually watched them. I think, you know, you can hit them with the LeBron or a Kobe or, you know, a Tim Duncan or something like that. But I mean, I feel like it's kind of cap if you said Jordan, cause it's like, what you, you watch like YouTube highlights. Like, I don't know. I think, I think your goat is the guy you grew up watching on TV and, you know, playing in the NBA finals. So, um, I think he was born in yeah 2002 maybe 2003. I think one of the draft picks was even 2004 this year. So you, mm-hmm. I mean you can't expect these kids to just be like, yeah, I, I you know Charles Barkley is my goat. It's like no, like you, you never watched him. So 
my issue with it is, is I get what he's saying. Like he's saying my favorite player to watch growing up is Paul George. But then I think you just got to say it like that because <laughs> I mean, I have my favorite player is not LeBron, but I recognize LeBron's probably the best player I've ever seen play basketball. You got to understand. I just, I just think he kind of, yeah, he probably worded it wrong, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm sure Paul George is just his favorite player, which makes sense because I mean, he's also like six, nine kind of plays a similar style. Like I get why he would say that. He just like the question, either he missed just answered the question yeah. wrong or understood it wrong. That's how I, I interpreted it. I, I did agree with what Alex was saying about how it's like the guy you grew up watching in like the biggest games and stuff. And, and that's your goat. Like I, like, like you said, like that's a Steph Curry or a LeBron. Saying it's Paul George is insane. Paul, Paul, yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, Paul George. I mean, I like Owen said. I get it. He sees himself in Paul George, but like no one, no NBA. Like even Kawhi would have been fine. Like yeah. two time, two time NBA champion. Like or I, I don't like like because Kawhi is maybe a closer comparable. I'd say to Paul George, but like or, or Brandon Miller, or you know what I mean. Like just a six nine, like small forward, but Paul George puts kind of heat. Mm-hmm. And the other interesting thing with this pick, and it's not entirely basketball related, but I did find it very interesting that Shams is employed by FanDuel, right? He mm-hmm. tweets out on Tuesday, Charlotte's leaning towards taking Scoot Henderson. Everybody rushes to FanDuel and bets Scoot Henderson to go number two. The lines move like crazy in Scoot Henderson's favor, and people are still taking it. And then two days later, FanDuel makes a whole bunch of money because he tweeted that. And I don't, I'm not accusing him of knowing or doing this intentionally, being like, oh, I'm going to make my company money because I'm going to tweet X, Y, and Z. But I mean, this is just more and more becoming a terrible idea. Like, this is horrible. The, uh, The connection there is too obvious to not result in some lunatic who put $150,000 on Scoot Henderson to sue for damages because and a FanDuel employee tweeted this. I, I just think it's... The, the connections are too deep now to... Like, that something's got to happen, is my point here. I don't but know. You're saying, happens. like, the NBA should step in? Well, I just think that, the, the, like, there should be a government regulation against this stuff. Like, it's Oh, just, I see. Like, if you have... Okay, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, it's pretty... I, don't, I think this is, like, as obvious as it gets like as it can get as far as like having a conflict of interest because i don't see there's if you're thinking about who can move lines when it comes to sports if you're to make a list of all the factors that go into that i think like reporters would be probably number one or maybe number two behind like the players or executives themselves like to me it's pretty obvious like that should be you know he should be fined by somebody or there should be something either just shouldn't you just shouldn't be allowed to employ them if you're fanduel that's just, yeah. it can only result in negative things, really. Because what's, like, who's bringing, is Shams really bringing traffic to FanDuel by tweeting breaking news? It's just kind of like a toy that they have. You know, they have so much money, they don't know what to do with it. It's not like it's bringing them in any revenue, I don't think, unless stuff like this happens, which, again, I'm not accusing of that, but it's like, you got to kind of understand how bad it looks if something like this happens, so... I do get that. I we we've been long tired of Portland on this show, but I think it's so sick. It's, it's reaching new levels, really. Like I said today, Aaron Rodgers levels with this trade stuff. It is. I'm just getting so sick and tired of this, and 
oh, he met today with the, you know, the team and this and that and kind of don't care about it anymore because it's been a, the talk the last three years. He said, I, I don't know if I'm getting ball sacked. I, I, I don't know anymore with these Dame reports because they're just outlandish. One said he'd be happy if they'd re-sign Jeremy Grant and sign Green and free agency. <laughs> like, it, anything is true. What he's he's in the Aaron Rodgers zone. And the worst one was I don't know if you saw this over the weekend. He he was on Instagram live and he played the song "Welcome to Miami," and then he, the next day he released a statement about how he he didn't mean disrespect <laughs> by playing that song. It was just a song that he wanted to hear. He's becoming super unlikable, actually, which is something I never thought I'd say. But there was also a report that if he does go to a team, he doesn't want them to have too many good players. That's <laughs> the one I saw. It was like, I don't want to be like the third all-star. I want to go to a team that like has a chance, but doesn't have other all-stars. It's like, that's actually where you are right now, <laughs> but except yeah. for the having a chance part. So maybe you should just stay. And it's also, it's cringe on the Blazers part because literally... Three years have gone by, and they have yet to decide what they want to do with their future. It's still just like, ah, oh, like whatever Dame wants, we're good with. Like maybe yeah. you should have some higher aspirations. But that having said that, I do like uh, Scoot for them. I think that's like a pretty, pretty big stroke of luck to get him at three. Which it, I mean, they drafted Odin, so it kind of makes sense that they get some luck. I don't know why they wouldn't move him like it seems like he's kind of getting to the end of his rope with the, the organization and then like they are in a really good place in my mind to like make a move to get somebody younger and then go and start putting together a competitive team like if you put together a package to get zion you'd have like zion scoot and then I don't know. I guess whatever other junk Shane they Sharp, have. Anthony Simons. Shane, yeah, Shane Sharp, si- Simons. One of those two might have to go in the deal, but you'd get you'd, you'd have at least one of those two. And then at that point, you have a like a nice like the beginnings of a nice little core, rather than you know you have you get rid of Dame's sixty million dollars a year contract, and you know he's on the wrong side of thirty. So it's not. It seems to me like a pretty like this better options out there than just running it back year after year with Damian Lillard. I do like the idea that after all that, Dame just ends back up with CJ McCollum. It's like, <laughs> we can't quit each other. We have to come back together to get the third seed and lose in the second round. That would be sick. Shout out, shout out to the Pelicans for drafting another like 6'9", small forward score in Jordan <laughs> Hawkins. Like as if they didn't already have like eight of those on the team and Trey Murphy... Brandon Ingram, Dion, like wow, <laughs> just keep them coming, boys. Um, what's the the Australian? Uh, Dyson Daniels, just wow. No need for guards, dude. They got Alvardo, so they're oh, good. Yeah. They're good there. And Jackson Hayes is going to patrol the paint, so they only got to worry about the perimeters. They've got quite a team going on over there. Um, I, I think other NBA draft, I mean, honestly, not much. I, like Wembenyama, the the shoot around video. I'm not gonna lie, pretty pretty heat video. Um, but I like I said, nerves. So it's not gonna be a problem. But I think if he has a couple bad games, I'll start banging the Brandon Miller drum. Did anybody want anything on the uh, Porzingis to the Celtics slash Marcus Smart to the Grizz? Mm, I mean. Solid trade. I think it's a risk on uh, Boston's part. I think it's a classic like, oh, he's good now, but 
you got to also remember he was, I mean, Beal didn't play like half the year and I think Brzezingis was getting a lot of touches. So um, I, I still like Brzezingis as a player, but I don't know exactly what role they want him to fill. Like, are you going to move off Horford and Robert Williams? Or I just think it's going to be super redundant with Tatum and Brown and Porzingis. Like, because they just dominate the ball so much. I don't know what else Porzingis is so good at where he could be like, okay, like, I don't need the ball that that much. I'll just help in other ways. Like, I don't think he's an elite defender. And, you know, just putting him in the corner to stand and just jack threes all game. I don't know if that's worth it. Yeah, I also think he's a really good passer, too, out of the high post. So you kind of want him to have the ball, in my mind. Yeah. I think just with this trade, it's like, I think the way Boston probably looked at it and the way I think they should, they probably approached it, is just like we've had the same team and we've ran it back for since 2018, basically, since Jason Tatum was a rookie, and we've hit the same point every single year. Uh and so they just had to change something up, right? And in my mind, it's like you're not doing anything with Tatum, and they're probably like it's hard. You're gonna be hard to get you know a hundred cents back on a hundred cents on the dollar back with uh, Brown. So they the like the next piece was just Marcus Smart in my mind, and so they were like, yeah, just it's like kind of when Houston was like kind of in the same spot, and they just moved. Chris or they they traded for John Wall and then they did a bunch of stuff there just to shake it up basically. Yeah, I That's agree how I with that. It. I think it's a risk because the like like you said he needs the ball and if, even when one guy had the ball a lot, Luca he he hated it. Like he requested a trade out of there. He was happy to go to the Wizards just to not be there anymore. I think he's an interesting player because I mean he's so talented. Like if he didn't want the ball as much, he could be a really really good like third second best player you know like a sort of 2b i don't mean like a true second best player but i think if he like actually accepts that and figures it out i think it's a really good trade i i think marcus smart honestly is not like he's i don't see him having i don't see him being this good in three years two years so it's not really that big of a risk to me i think he's played a lot of games and he's played deep into a lot of seasons I don't really understand from Memphis's point where I just don't get why he's worth two first round picks to Memphis. Like they already have a bunch of guys like this in my mind. I just, I don't really understand why he's valued so much for that team. Like I'd want a much more of like a veteran guy. I know he's somewhat of a vet, but I'd be looking for some, but I'm looking for somebody who's like a little more, I don't know, controlled. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think he's really like a, top of the line <laughs> vet <laughs> yeah i, I agree with phil i don't think he like exemplifies the word vet in the best way he's still kind of uh you know you compare him with someone who's like kind of entering the nba as opposed to <laughs> as opposed to a vet really but i can see like they wanted to replace the dylan brooks piece i'd say um he's definitely more controlled than dylan brooks <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know if he's like the right guy to go in there and kind of whip the team up into shape and get jaw on the right track and that sort of thing. So, um, but I mean, Hey, I, I do like his defense. I do, you know, I think he can be a really good player at times. He is a bit, um, streaky. Um, but I do agree with Phil, the two first round picks is kind of, kind of heat, but I don't know. I think it's just, you know, some teams really value the first round picks and some don't next few years down the line and they didn't value them a lot so they were willing to move them 
I'll say, so back to just before I, I, the Porzingis piece, like you were saying, Phil, it's like, there is a risk in my mind that it's like, maybe it doesn't work out and there isn't a fit. But the other good thing about that, the reason why I like it for Boston is because his contract is expiring too. So it's like, if it doesn't work, you're not committed long-term with a bunch of money to this guy. So you can kind of just cut your losses and let it ride. But the thing with Memphis in my mind is like, yeah, like I agree. I think the price is too steep. Like I, I mean, I think Tyus Jones, he obviously played like a lot last year and he was going to play a lot this year. And he seems to be out of all the Memphis guys, he's like quite, you know, he's kind of a low key guy. And I think is a good player. Like, it seems like he knows what he's doing is able to handle his role. Well, so to give him up and as well as two first round picks is kind of, you know, it's a lot, right? But I don't know. I like Marcus Smart. The thing I like about Marcus Smart, though, is is I think he will. He's somebody that's really serious about winning. So he's definitely maybe to maybe to his fault too is somebody that's not afraid to like get in his teammates' face and get in their ear when they're not doing what they should be doing to win. So I think that aspect of things is good. I don't know how that'll really kind of work with John Morant and <laughs> and some of the other guys on the team. It'll be interesting to see. But like at least he cares. Like he really does care about winning. Like you're not the situation guns on IG live. Yeah. The situation was getting kind of toxic with him in Boston. Like, yeah, you know, a lot, a lot of people were just blaming him for everything. And, you know, I don't know. It might be true. It might not be true, but um, it's kind of good that they moved on. I, I do think, I think kind of where I wanted to go with them getting vets was like a little bit more of a calm guy. Like that's maybe what I was looking for here. If I was yeah, like CP three. <laughs> He's a little bit annoying too, but I feel like there's a chance that sure Marcus Smart could be really good for them, but there's also a chance that he's just like oil and water, and they just don't get along from day one because he's a pretty you know set in his ways type of guy. At least from the outside, yeah. that's the way it seems to me. So that's interesting. Re- real quick on the John Collins trade, nobody cares. I just want that to be very clear right now. Not yeah. a soul cares what, <laughs> what happened to John Collins. And I know I saw this tweet bouncing around this afternoon. Bleacher Report dropping like the jersey oh. swap edit being like, John Collins is on the Jazz. What do you think of their team now? It's like, I actually... And then when they say how many wins? <laughs> Over and just probably about 35. So I don't care. You don't need to go into the lab and Photoshop the jersey swap. That would be my take. I think it's about time and it's a classic um, case of asset mismanagement. They should have traded him like two years ago. I think there were probably some decent first round picks on the table, but they overvalued him and... That's what happens. You bring in a guy like DeJounte Murray, you bring in some rookies, you bring in this guy, you bring in that guy, slowly touches, you know, go away. Um, and they trade him for a second round picks. So that's all on Atlanta. NBA free agency, by the time that you, well, the time you hear us next, NBA free agency will have come and gone. So I was sort of looking things over today and Rockets, Jazz, Spurs, Kings, Pacers, like those are sort of the teams with the space. I'm just going to sort of, rattle off a group of names here and you can tell me which one you're interested to see what happens which one you kind of don't care wherever you want to go with it but the group of free agents that I would list to you first would be James Harden Chris Middleton Kyrie Draymond and Freddie V Did any of those jump out to you Alex is a intriguing name over the next week uh, out of the first three, I don't. I think all those guys are going to re-sign uh, I think you said Harden, Middleton Kyrie, I think they're all just going to stay 
And then Freddie, I really hope we don't re-sign him. I, yeah. Say I, the line. Say the line. The which line? You know the line. It, the pulled pork. Yeah. Yeah, his knees are pulled pork. It's uh, it's not looking good, and I just don't think you should be handing out that long of a contract. Where would you rank for uh, Fred Van Vliet in like NBA point guards, starting point guards? Like, would he be in the top fifteen? I think he's like in the the fifteen to twenty range. Okay, and okay. it's going down. The arrow is and it's going, straight and it's going to down. Go down exponentially. I I really do believe that, but I I really hope you know Houston or Orlando can just give him way more money than we can. I'd love that. Yeah. It seems very Orlando or or like mm. random Charlotte. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because Orlando you- doesn't have enough guards. <laughs> yeah they're like we're not gonna we don't want to we don't want to crowd the backcourt with scoot like that's what charlotte's saying we don't want to crowd it with scoot but we'll get we'll get fred van vliet for like 30 million a year yeah he's that's he's we'll cooked us for five years straight so he's yeah. a max guy alex you're not buying the hard into houston Sorry? no no i think it's okay. just cap i think it's cap i think he's gonna just um what is it opt in i think uh Either way, I think he's just going to go back to the 76ers. So it it would be quite a statement and he he is a guy who's made a lot of statements, but at this point in his career to go back to the Rockets who are not close to doing anything would be an all-time like I don't think it would rival I don't care. Yeah. yeah. I'd be like I'm just done with winning. <laughs> yeah, like I I am choosing lifestyle over basketball. Success. And I also just want the 76ers to run it back so bad. <laughs> Like that's a banger. Just run it back. The fact, yeah. like, and Daryl Morey just thinks everyone's so much more stupid. Did you see the him Tobias saying, Harris? Him saying, "Yeah, it's the Tobias Harris thing." That they are adamant about keeping Tobias Harris. It's like, okay, like then keep him because he's honestly a negative asset. Like keep him then. Did you I, see I've the? I've seen uh... how well that's worked for you guys. So, <laughs> did you see the request that they had with the Cavs? Or the Cavs. Yeah, that was a disaster. <laughs> the like, Cavs. I, every single, like, you, you say, I think it was a three piece. It was like Mobley, Allen, and something else. Draft picks. You single out anything. Any, you single out Mobley, just Mobley straight up is an overpay. Allen straight up is an overpay. And just any of those first round picks is an overpay, honestly, for Tobias Harris. But he thinks that, you know, by him leaking that he's adamant about keeping Tobias Harris, all the other GMs are going to be like, whoa, like maybe we should get him. <laughs> He really wants to keep him. No, the Sixers would be a banger. Run it back. You're right, but I think he. I think he's going to Houston. I. Really, I really hope it happens. I will have a big smile on my face if that's the case. Did, did you like any of those names, Owen, or you think they're mostly resigns? Well, I think they probably are mostly resigns. I do like Harden though, just because. I mean, I, I'm not really super plugged in. I don't know if he'll resign or not, but I do like the the back to Houston story. I just think that would be. Like just a reality TV level train wreck. It would be really interesting to watch. Their team would be pretty stacked. They do have quite yeah. a stable of young players, but a lot of them are actually unstable. So it might Who not did work they draft? very well. Uh, one of the better Thompson. Oh, uh, Amen. Yeah, and uh, yeah. he's the one who passes more, I think. And they got um, Cam Whitmore at twenty. Oh, so, nice. they, so they had a pretty good. Didn't draft. he fall? He like fell a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. Then they had some bad uh, interviews. Yeah, and his coach did he come from Villanova? And his coach didn't like him or something. Yeah, I think or so. Said bad things about him. Had some That's injury stuff too. So 
if you're getting passed up by Miami, you're yeah, like sorry, something's wrong. Yeah, I think Miami, Golden State, and Oklahoma City all in a row. We're like, nah, oh. that's that's pretty tough. And Houston, Houston's like, yeah, here's a trade up in the building. Get them. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good i'm gonna go with maybe not it's always you know because people are like oh whenever you can get that guy who's falling you get him but i was thinking about this like last night usually it means they're just gonna have not a great career like remember deonta davis was supposed to go like top 10 and then he went all the way to round two and they're like grizzlies got an absolute steal this guy was supposed to go ninth no career noah vonley was supposed to go like top three or four he went down to yeah. 11 i think so, maybe not the best move. Did you like any of uh, Jeremy Grant, Brooke Lopez, Cam Johnson, Vucevic? It's not a great free agency. I'm not going to lie. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, same. Pretty slim There was pickings. some talk about maybe Grant going back to the Pistons. Like, no, I'm just not even going to talk about that. <laughs> Brooke Lopez is kind of like a big deal, isn't he? I'd say. I wouldn't yeah, mind. That's kind of a classic, like I'm gonna have the best like career, like best season of my life before I get you know want to get the bag. Like well, he's just gonna resign too, insane. though, right? Uh, you yeah, think but I think it's gonna it. be an overpay. I think that's gonna be a bad contract. He just shot lights out from three. It was insane. Well, he was great yeah. defensively, too. Yeah. I wouldn't mind the Spurs to get him, honestly. Get a guy beside Wemby. That wouldn't be that bad. I, I don't really like the the sort of the middle. Because those are the guys who are probably better, but I'm more interested in like where does Bruce Brown go? What happens to Kuzma? Reeves. Yeah, I think he's going back to the Lakers, but I I am sort of interested to see what happens to him. So it should be an interesting free agency. I think it starts on Thursday night, actually. So that'll be good. They've always changed around the date in recent years, but uh, yeah, but next time you hear us, we'll have lots of stuff to talk about. Football, it's a dead zone, but. Um, uh, we got to talk about Carson Wentz in the Bear. Uh, pretty pretty tough scene. I've actually pulled in seven likes on my comment on the post. Uh, I just commented disgusting, and it seems like people are responding to that. Alex is definitely he he wants to make a statement. I would say about Carson Wentz and this Bear killing. Well, I just actually I saw that you commented on it, and then I went and reported the post. So um... <laughs> you went up to me. Yeah, I went up to you. I, I actually reported the post for animal abuse. So, um, but they're probably not going to take it down because I think Instagram's a little weak there. Um, but yeah, just going and and killing an absolute unbelievable animal, a bear. Um, from what I understand, I don't think like eating a bear isn't a thing. So, I mean, maybe they use the 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 hide the hide for it or whatever. Um, or using its fur, but I mean that's a that's a big waste of an animal um, just to kill it, just so you can kind of feel good about yourself. Um, so I, it's, I, I yeah, I was I was pretty upset seeing that. I wasn't a fan. Um, and then the audacity for him to in the caption add that it's an incredible animal, and then you kill an incredible animal. I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's just just. I don't really have any words to describe it. Just really upset about it on on paddington week no less really that's <laughs> yeah. that's what takes it to a new level and it uh it pains me to see that post and like you said in the caption the beautiful animal i feel like owen's suspiciously quiet in this conversation <laughs> no i'm a, I, you know i think it's you know it's not a great look obviously but alex 
had you know the passionate take i wanted to just kind of give him the floor i feel like joe buck when the team wins world series i just yeah you know let the moment play out let the sounds take you home yeah there you go I'm glad we got that out of the way. The uh, the Lions have a new helmet. I did consult with Tony, and I don't think he liked it. He said something about how it looked like Alex the Lion from Madagascar. Um, it, it is the old Ford logo, though, no? So confirm. kind of looks like the English lion that they have on the, on the football kit in England. A little bit. A but... little long. And it doesn't look very intimidating. So, yeah, not a great move. I think it could have had a better color. But I think I like it more than most people. I think Owen called it awful. Yeah, I really hate it. I think it looks just terrible. It looks like that girl on TikTok designed it. <laughs> That's kind of like an ultimate diss. There's really not much coming back from that. I think the silver jerseys they have in general are just kind of weak. Like, they could do a lot better. And, uh, Owen, your Jets got forced hard knocks. I saw that today. I mean, no surprise there, really, but... And I'm sure Aaron Rodgers is secretly doing high fives. I bet he is pumped. Yeah, he's thrilled. I mean, this was people saw this coming from a mile away. It was, it was going to happen. And uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's going to be lots of really weird. Like Aaron Rodgers is going to find the camera at just every moment he can. So it's going to be a lot of weird kind of statements. It's going to be a lot of editing for them because I'm sure there's some political views that they probably don't want. On yeah. Their, uh, HBO probably doesn't want on their program. So it'll be uh yeah. Interesting task there for, for them. I, I just so got, maybe a... we won't see as much Aaron Rodgers as you might think. Might be a lot edited out. Maybe. <laughs> I, I just... think there will be, there will be some awkward transitions, I think to say the least. From like, you know, shot to shot. Yeah, it'll be like, it'll be like, you know, I think I like our team this year. Like, I really like the receivers we brought in. But, and then it'll just be like a hard cut. Yeah. And then you'll just hear like, but global warming. And then it'll just cut to like game day. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like it could also go the other way where he thinks he's like, (laughs) <laughs> he thinks he's like Jim from the office and like something will happen and he'll like look at the camera like oh like can you believe this guy yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. man he did speak at a psychedelics conference this week and one of his wow. one of his fellow panelists was Jaden Smith so that shows you how <laughs> that's crazy yeah. Those are the two foremost experts in the world, I guess. Yeah. Psychedelics. And one of them was like a former, it was a former governor I saw. He was the third head on the panel. It's like, wow. Wow. What a star-studded event. So, yeah, looking forward to the, the global warming hard cut to game day morning Salah <laughs> pregame talk. That, that'll be sick. So, looking forward to that. And uh, now let's do the movie. Paddington 2. We did Paddington 1 last week, and uh, I'm very happy that you picked Paddington 2. I'm going to be the first one to say it. Just another great time. Yeah, I thought it was great. I enjoyed it more than the first. Um, I thought that I just, you know, the whole storyline was great. We got to see more of the characters. Like, it kept the good parts and just expanded on them. Like, we got to see more of the Browns. Paddington, obviously, was the star of the show. Uh, They introduced us to some new characters that I really kind of enjoyed. Um, and then the, the ending was just almost, I almost teared up. It was just incredible. Just a wonderful film. 
Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot too. Um, like Owen said, I think, you know, seeing it already like the first one and kind of getting an idea of, you know, who is Paddington? How does he go about, you know, his days, all that. Like, um, I thought it was really interesting. And, you know, when we saw him, you know, at his job a little bit, the hair, the hair, uh, hair salon, him in jail, I thought those were all interesting places and choices that they made and you know hey let's put paddington in these different kind of environments that we didn't really see him in um in the first movie um and then yeah the action was great and i don't know maybe what i know what you guys think but i thought maybe the villain was a bit more interesting than, than the first movie but i don't know i think it was close i liked okay. I, I liked both villains they're both you know big actors obviously so yeah you got to give them you know you knew they were going to be good when you when you knew who they were obviously um i thought i'll be honest i teared up again i actually went two for two on crying at paddington and the scenes that got me in this one obviously the ending was very emotional but that you know i was already into my into my tear at that point it was when he was in the jail and they said like they're not going to visit you anymore and then oh, yeah. they didn't show up and he was standing at the window and it just it just hit me again and you know what i was thinking this movie is kind of like the fast franchise like just make 20 and i will go and i don't go to the fast but this is how i think those fans think of it it's like just say the time and the place. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what the storyline is. You put Paddington in there, and I will be there. And that opening scene with with when they brought Pastuzo back, I literally it was just me watching, and it was like ten o'clock at night, and I screamed Pastuzo. I was so hyped that he had returned. Great opening scene, and then when he gets the hat and he t- and he has the bite of the marmalade sando, I just these movies. I, I don't know. They've touched me. I love these movies. Yeah, and and I think um, that scene you were talking about too. After when he looks at the picture, and it's the picture of them five or six, like that photo that he has with the family, and then it just he's looking at the photo, and he kind of like erases himself oh. out of the photo because he thinks they're just like, like he's not part of the family anymore. Was he? Um, the phone call was really sad once he gets out of the jail where he like gets that, into that oh. with the big, whatever they're called, those big red box things. The telephone uh, booths. Yeah. yeah. Um, the big red box. And just, and just gives them a call. That was really sad. Um, and then shout out Brendan Gleeson. That's, it was kind of crazy seeing him in this sort of kids movie. Um, just cause I watched the Banshees of Anisher and, and uh, he played an absolutely like insane um, <laughs> role in that movie, um, which is I'm referring to Knuckles. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in this movie so um i thought he was pretty cool too i thought the jail aspect was a good curve I oh th- yeah i thought him sort of coming together with the prisoners the pink suits every i mean this everything i don't want to sound suit stuff was awesome yeah and i don't want to sound like a broken record but this franchise everything they do turns to gold i, I the the jail stuff was a stroke of genius really it was yeah. great Wow. Yeah, the hair salon when they were making the marmalade too, and he was putting the sugar in there. Paddington's got to be one of the most likable characters that's ever been put on the on the big screen. Like I don't think <laughs> without you know, a there's doubt. a handful of guys. He his universal approval rating is very high, 
And the way, what was the one thing when he touched that ball? I think it was at the start and his fur puffed out. It's just an instant oh, yeah. smile on the face. And it's like a, you know, one second thing that happens. But he's just such a happy character. I don't know how else I can say it. <laughs> he is just the best guy to be around. And again, I want to reiterate if I get a pet, it is being named Paddington, like a 2 million percent chance. I really, uh, I love the movie. So I did do some research on Paddington 3, if if we want to go into that a little bit. Yeah. Because news came out about it this week. It sounds like they're going to build on the ending of Paddington 2, and they're going to go back to the retirement home in Peru. It sounds like that's going to be the premise of the movie. Yeah, even London. Yeah, which is tough. But... And- some big news Phil has to let us know about. Yes, this is disappointing news, but um, the mother has actually dropped out. Contract negotiations have failed, and no. the mom of the Brown family is out. She's being replaced. They got a lookalike. Um, I don't like that idea right away, but she I got a big role too. Yeah, she did. She wasn't replaceable. Tough. And when did you say it's it's scheduled to come out, Phil? I, I have no idea when the schedule is, but I, I'll i be there. Open, Pep Guardiola, we will be there. Phil, we will be there. Opening night, Paddington 3. We will be there. And I, I do think no matter what they do, it doesn't matter to me that this lady's gone. Like, she's gone, whatever. Do you have Paddington? That's all that matters. It's like changing role players around the king. Even though this was a great role player, you still have the best player. So I'm in. Paddington 3. That's right. I'm super in. Raw. So I, I did you like it more than Paddington 1? I did. I thought the humor was better. I thought that scene when he meets Knuckles, you know, and he's like, tell me about the food or whatever. And he's like, do you want me to be? He's like, I want, I love criticism. And then he just goes in, was like hilarious. Like that, that whole kind of 15 minutes was awesome. So I enjoyed it more. I th- I, the prison in general was great. So I, I, I did like it more. The ketchup and mustard was really funny too, where he tries, he's like, oh, yeah. oh doesn't the mustard take out the ketchup? <laughs> Squeezes some more mustard on the stain. So I thought that was funny. But I, I don't know. I think it's, I kind of don't want to pick just because I think both movies are really good. I think they're neck and neck for me. Yeah, I think they go together. But I, I, maybe I'll give the slight edge to number one because the first 10 minutes of number one were just, I mean, it'll never be touched. It was just a flawless cinematic masterpiece. Another verbal meme, this is cinema. Paddington won first 10 minutes. So, but they're both great, both great. And I, I might have to try a marmalade sandal. I've never had one before. I don't know if they're good. I don't know if they're bad, but they look great. They do look really good. Marmalade is just jam, though, right? Yeah, but I, I still think there's some people like that qualify like it really differently. Yeah. Jam, marmalade, and jelly are all considered different things. What's that Australian thing that I think starts with an M? Vegemite. Vegemite. That's what I thought it was. I don't know why I got those two mixed up. I thought they were talking about Vegemite this whole time. But I've had jam sandwich before, so... <laughs> Heat. Hand up, hand Heat. up. I love hand ups. <laughs> I don't know why I thought this was Vegemite the whole time. I was like, oh, different name for the same thing, but heat. heat. Well, Vegemite, I think Vegemite's like really bitter. People say it's disgusting. It's like a really gross yeah. taste if you're not, like it's like Only salty. Australians like it. 
<laughs> I will not be going to Australia anytime soon. Yeah, no, I'm good. They have so, like nine out of the ten animals that can just kill you in like two seconds, so I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm with you there. So that'll be good. Paddington 3, whenever that comes out, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I'm on the picks for this week, I think. So I people might not know this about me, but in my free time, I mostly watch documentaries. I'm a big documentary guy, and we have yet to do a documentary. And I like 30 for 30s, so I'm going to do a 30 for 30. And I think this is a good one because I don't. I watched this one a few years ago. Um, It's called George Best All By Himself. It's season three, episode 20. So if you go into your usual streamer that starts with a B, it's there in season three, episode 20. But I did a pre-scout, and actually when you click season three, episode 20, it plays the two bills, which is a great 30 for 30. Mm-hmm. So you have to go season three, episode 25, click the two bills, and then it'll play George Best all by himself. So <laughs> a good thing I did the pre-scout to figure that out. But I did do some like, do you know who George Best is, Alex? I feel like you would I know. do, I do. Yeah. I do know, yeah. But you don't know Owen, I would assume. I couldn't tell you. Because mm-hmm. I checked with Adam and he didn't know who he was either. So I think he, it. I think it'll be good because all the research and the reviews I read, because I hadn't seen it in a while, were like, it doesn't tell you anything you don't already know. But I remember not knowing the story and being like, this is this is a once-in-a-lifetime story. So He's a soccer guy. He is a soccer guy. So I, I think you will enjoy it. I think everybody will like it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be raw. Can't wait. Let's go. So now we're going to run the rig interview. I will put the explicit tag on the rig interview. I think that there were some yeah. explosive statements about one Frank Cervalli. So if you, <laughs> if you, if you like Frank Cervalli, maybe don't stick around for this interview because he comes up. Um, and Frank was battling a Sando actually at the NHL awards today. Just, <laughs> it was a tough look. Just didn't help his case at all. So, it's been a tough week for Frank. It's he almost like died on live on air, choking <laughs> on a sandwich. So <laughs> you got to send me that clip. I need to see that. You uh, haven't seen that? No, I need. Oh, to see it's it. all over Twitter. It's it's super funny. All right, well I'll check that out after. But I would say ten in retroactive form yeah. for rig two. Ten. 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 Okay, we're here. It's my pleasure to welcome back Big Rig Nick Longley. He's here. It's good because there's, you know, every offseason there's a team that steals the headlines. And this offseason, once again, it's the Flames early on. And this is being recorded for reference on Saturday afternoon. So if something happens between now and when this comes out on Monday night, just uh, just so you're aware. But it's good to have you back. It's a pleasure, really. Pleasure is simply all mine. Feels like it's quite quite a bit different since the last time we had Nick on here. I feel like there was a lot yeah. of optimism and... <laughs> Lots of cool stuff was happening, and now it looks a little gloomy. But I don't know. Maybe you can convince me otherwise. He's a positive guy. He is a positive guy. He's one of the most positive Flames fans I know. Very optimistic Flames fans. So maybe he changes my mind. Mm-hmm. So overall feeling, heading into a pretty important week for the Flames, are we optimistic or are we a little bit sad about the trade request that came in this week? Um. Well, I guess starting off with the trade requests, um, my initial thoughts are is I think you got to take everything that's been reported with a bit of a grain of salt. I think Frank Zaravalli is a bit of a... Bit you don't of like a, him. No, I think he's a bit of a pigeon, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> um, you know, there's a reason why he's not working for TSN anymore. Um, I actually just found out recently today that he's 
33 years old and I mean I think he should spend more time focusing on his gray hair than you know breaking false news so I don't know how much of it's actually true I think Noah Hannafin that one doesn't surprise me at all but the other three Backlund Lindholm and Toffoli I'm not convinced with yet um time will tell obviously but yeah I think Frank Saravalli sometimes doesn't report the uh the most accurate things. So I think I think Frank Saravalli was the same one that reported that Huberto wasn't going to sign a contract extension when he first got traded. And when he first got traded, he looked like he was a top 10 player in the NHL. And this year, not <laughs> not quite. But um, looks more like it might have worked out if he top, didn't get top, the extension. Maybe a top, top 10 player on the Flames. but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Pelche's making it look tough for him. So. Yeah. yeah, that's a tough competition. So, okay, well, we'll, we'll work backwards then because uh, with these trade requests that come in, then we can sort of big picture it. I think uh, I would say if you're if I'm asking you of those four guys that you mentioned, which ones would you prefer to keep and which ones would you try to get rid of, where does that list start for you? I think, I mean, you have to look at age. Age is probably the biggest factor. So, I mean, and ideally you keep Lindholm and, and Hannafin. But I think Hannafin is is gone. I don't see him being back in Calgary and really this like upcoming fall. Um, but I would like to keep Lindholm. I feel like Lindholm is a is one of the best two way centermen in the NHL. Then I don't know Backlund or Toffoli. Toffoli obviously had a great season, but I think that's a time where you try and trade a guy like that, um, especially just given the contract status. But um, I like I if I were to pick two, I'd say Lindholm and, and Backlund. That'd be my two. For me, I'd say apparently Toffoli's out. He doesn't want to sign. I know Hannafin and then Backlund's also like, I think he's kind of upset about the captaincy thing. I heard they offered it to him. Playoffs. They did. I think they did offer and he said, uh, I think he really wants to like win. So I can see him not wanting to, you know, extend with the flames. But from what I've understood, from what I've seen, it looks like Lindholm is willing to sign. It's just whether they're going to meet the demands. I think he's at nine and a half and flames are at eight and a half. And then if they can meet in the middle at nine, but that's a hefty price, but you never know. Like in two, three years, the cap's going up, so nine mil might not seem so bad. But it's just tough signing a guy for like eight years. Um, yeah, I'm not expecting him to like have a drop off or anything. Like, I mean, he did when Goudreau and Kachuk left, but I still expect him to contribute and you know be a quality player for the Flames. But if it was my preference, I think like I'd sell everybody honestly and just start building around um, what we still do have. I think that you can make a, the case to you know. Huberto or Huberto and Caudry are like there's sunk costs, but you know maybe you can get some extract some value out of them. I don't think Huberto is done for sure. I think I think I mean I expect him to have a much better year this year. Caudry, I don't know, he looks kind of heat. He's like 33 now, 32. Yeah. But and, of, um, and I just think yeah. that you know you can mix some of the old vets like Uyghur and Huberto and Caudry with the youth, and I think that could work. I think that could work. You don't have to do a complete teardown. Um, I don't see Markstrom leaving either, so you, you know you, you can keep some of the vets, but. The guys that are UFAs, I think we learned our lesson with Goudreau and stuff. Um, that you got to move on. And I wouldn't want to make a hockey trade, Nick. I don't know about you. I'd want to make trades for futures and, and stop trying to like bring in older guys that you know might not actually want to play. You bring in these young kids, want to play, want to get some NHL yeah. playing time. And I think that's the best way to, to move forward. I agree. And I think like I look at it like, you know, in my opinion, the Flames have the best goaltending prospect in the world. Dustin Wolf. I mean, he's put up. I think he's won back to back goaltender of the year in the AHL. Um, so, goaltending is one of those positions where it translates a little bit more easily from the AHL to the NHL rather than, you know, being a forward or defenseman, I would say, just because 
I mean, you got to stop the puck rather than change systems and change the way you play a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I think the time, like if there's a time to kind of, you know, if you're going to start trading guys and building up prospects and draft picks, this is probably the time to do it. Looks like Conroy doesn't work on the weekends. Though. No, 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 I don't think so. <laughs> he's you know, in Silver he's, Springs. Yeah, he's probably out playing around right now. Probably shooting, you know, one hundred and four. <laughs> just, you know, just chopping up the local munis- municipal courses. <laughs> I pronounced that completely wrong, so my apologies. You, you got it. Um, but yeah, I think you know I would be hesitant to sign Lindholm to an eight-year extension. I mean, you know, I I think that nine million dollars for Lindholm is a bit of an overpay. Um, and I would be totally fine if. You know, I I think there's a Lindholm and Columbus connection with Goudreau. I could I could see them doing something for that third overall pick. It would obviously I think it would require a little bit more than just Lindholm for that pick straight up. But um, I I could see something like that. I could also see stuff with Toronto just with Trey Living being there. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's Lindholm or Hannafin or, or one of those two players. But yeah, I I think that I agree with Alex that the time is now to start taking draft picks and prospects and. And not trying to make a hockey trade and get aging players because the way that this Flames team is right now, I think it's time to start loading up to be, you know, that competitive team in, in two, three years where they're really competitive. Cause I mean, realistically, you probably got two or three years left with Hubert O, like I like playing in his prime. I mean, this yeah. year is obviously a down season for him, but um Uyghur's probably got four or five. Kadri's got a couple. So like now's the time you start kind of recruiting or drafting some good prospects and getting some other prospects that are already drafted. And then, you know, two years down the road, that's when you can look at this team at potentially being a serious contender. But I don't know. Like, I think that's kind of my thoughts on the pending UFAs. Um, yeah. If you don't want to be here, then like, well, that's trade what them. I was going to say, bro. Like you're Lindholm. Like I understand he's a great player, but I have the, I have the feeling that he's one Lindholm is not the difference between the flames being bad and the flames being good. I think they need a little bit more than that. And I also think you've had enough of these guys where it's like, if you overpay, like you said, which I would agree with nine and nine and a half is, is an overpayment, even though I think he's a good player. He didn't have a good season last year. And I think that you've had enough of these guys who are already like kind of iffy about being here where it's like, if you're like captain C nine and a half mil, I don't, and he's still saying no. Why would you even want to keep him at that point? That's a really, really fair offer, a more than fair offer. Yeah. So I think that that, and I, I, I guess my question is, you say like now is the time to get the picks, but I sort of view it, and I've heard this being said in the last couple of days, as the time to get the picks was last summer because you had your best asset who wanted to be traded and you could have got a futures-based package. And I understand that they were a really good team the year before and, you know, couple things go differently and maybe the playoffs look a little different but I still think that they had a really good opportunity last year because I do feel like this didn't come out of nowhere and I think that these players probably knew last summer that they weren't interested in the next contract I don't think it came out of this year with the dysfunction that they had with the coach or the disagreements or whatever you want to call it I think this was written on the wall for years back and I think that they should have been proactive about it rather than now and especially with the GM leaving I just think it's totally his fault like he left a huge mess behind him and it it honestly the fans are going to be the ones who have to deal with it because the contracts he signed aren't going away and they had a chance to get a really good futures based package. Like I, I know Carolina offered Natchez and and picks right to get to Chuck, and that's I a think player. we had Cairo on the table, and those are players who are more on your timeline than than Huberdeau and uh, Uyghur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think like this basically with the teams are right now, like it was 
it was kind of like a five-year plan when they first brought in. They made that trade for Lindholm and Hannafin. They signed... Um, James Neal. I think it was... No, no Lindholm and Hannafin. <laughs> Sorry. No, I'm talking, I, no, but I'm saying you yes, did sign James Neal yes, to be like... Uh, exactly. Oh, yeah. like oh the, okay. Yeah, like, I wasn't saying he was... Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then he ended up being the the rework deal, Neil, and then the, and then the no deal, Neil, and then I think PTO, Neil. Yeah, I think now he's playing in Halifax in the ECHL against Doug Glad or something like that. He's just not letting it go. You got to respect that a little bit, though. That he's like, I just love the boys. Like, I can't quit locker yeah. rooms. I mean, I think like it was kind of like a five year plan, right? They traded for Lindholm and Hannafin in the summer of 2018, and they signed him them to five year extensions, I believe, um, and that takes us pretty much to where we are now, where. Like back then, I mean, when you looked at it, it was a smart trade and, you know, the, the Flames on paper had good teams and probably, you know, underperformed a little bit and then Monaghan started to go downhill and then we all know what happened with Goudreau and Kachuk and then we hired Jeff Ward, which he belongs in the AHL, which, I mean, he's I think he's coaching in Anaheim, which that's basically the same thing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think, you know, I, I think the team made a mistake with their coaching staff kind of in that timeline, the 2020 to 2021, and lost a couple of quality years where they had really good teams on paper that should have been better than what they actually were, especially that COVID year. I mean, that was really bad. But yeah, I think the time is now to trade these guys if they don't want to be here. And that's the biggest thing is if they don't want to be here, then they shouldn't be here. And mm -hmm. I don't want them to be here. Because I want guys that, you know, want to come and live in Calgary and play hard for the city. Because, I mean, that's what the fans want, right? Like, mm -hmm. I know, I mean, we don't have to talk about Daryl Sutter too, too much. But that's what something Daryl Sutter always says is the fans want, you know, you to work hard, have a good work ethic, and, you know, be good people. That's what he always used to say during his press conferences. And, you know, it's, it's true. That's kind of what, you know, the city yeah. is. Like, I know I look at Alex and Phil here, and, you know, they're good guys and hardworking people. And, wow, that's you know, I appreciate that. So yeah, the like only, the compliment. The only issue with Phil is that he cheers to you others. Other than that, <laughs> Phil's a pretty good guy. Phil's so. a beauty, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I will say, I think that's a good point that you're making. I think, where do you think these, these trade requests stem from? Because if you're asking me, who's not a fan of the team, I think that it all connects together what you just said. I think the underperforming and the poor coaching decisions stem from them not having a good enough leadership group the last five or 10 years. And I, and I think that that is honestly the root of a lot of the trade requests. hundred percent. And I, I think, you know, I think not having a captain since Giordano mm. left is a Big huge issue. And I actually, you know, everybody debates about who they think the captain should be. And, you know, everybody says Backlund, everybody says Lindholm. To me, I th think the captain should be Jonathan Huberto, and I will tell you why. He's the highest paid player on the Flames. He's going to be here for the longest. He's the guy that, you know, they have to build the team around. Like the, the skaters, right? You can't make Dustin Wolf the captain. Mm -hmm. So, like, he's he's the face of the Flames. He Like, they need a captain. They need somebody to step in and be a leader in that locker room. And, you know... I think when Huberto first got to Calgary, he was kind of busy checking out, you know, which girls live downtown and things like that. <laughs> you know, if his Lamborghini... Wearing that terrible yeah, Joker costume, exactly, dude. Right? Yeah. the Halloween party. Exactly, right? Seeing if his Lamborghini could drive in the snow. I think he <laughs> yeah. found out it probably can't. Could he get all seasons? Yeah, exactly. I don't think they do all seasons on Lamborghinis. But uh, I think, you know, the last 20 games, I think he kind of stepped up, you know, his leadership a little bit. I think Peltier helped him do that. You know, he kind of took the guy under his wing a little bit. And, you know, it's that French-Canadian um, connection. Connection, connection yeah. that's what I was looking for. You know, those those French guys, they, they're... They love they're, each other. Yeah, yeah, they're a different breed for sure. Um, 
But yeah, I think Huberto, you know, he should be the captain. They need to establish somebody to, you know, they need an identity. And that's what they lacked this year with all that turnover and all that change. They lacked identity. And that was something I think they really struggled with. And, you know, I, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where. But um, I think that's a great point. That's a great point. I 100% agree with you, Nick. But like also, um, I just, what, like what was going on even like after the Goudreau when when Goudreau and Kachuk left too, like there you already knew like something was fishy even back then as well. I think one thing, one game that I'll never forget is like when honestly I kind of feel like the whole camaraderie of the team and 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 the togetherness of the team went down was when the Muzzin thing happened with Kachuk. I was thinking of that when, exactly. When the Leafs, yeah. like four of them, go and just start laying it out, laying it on Kachuk, dude, and and I remember Goudreau went on spitting chiclets and was you know saying oh like. We, we genuinely like didn't see it and we felt really bad for Chucky after and I get it but I, I feel like PR. Chucky like yeah. he's a like a ride or die and I think that was like super upsetting for him because he's always like in guys faces and was always like defending his boys and all that stuff and I think that kind of showed showed him and kind of showed that the rest of the guy uh, just they don't look like they're that tight Monahan's a, a brick in regards to emotion, I don't know. I, for me yeah. personally, he doesn't seem like the best leader on the team. Goudreau's a heck of a talented player. He was a top 10 player maybe in some of those years in in Calgary. and um, But he's not a leader, yeah. right? Yeah. So And then Kachuk, they were hesitant to give him the captaincy. I think, you know, honestly, if they were willing to give Kachuk the captaincy and if things would have went a little differently, I think he might have wanted to stay. Um, but then again, I think like Phil said, they should have been a little bit more proactive there's this meme going on and it's just like the it's like a flames logo and it's that one like uh, anyway i'm not gonna get so <laughs> i'm not gonna blow, verbal, meme, plane, verbal meme and it's like brad trailer oh is it not no that it's one? The, oh. you know the you know the guy with the beard he's like a cartoon character he's got the blonde hair and it's anyways he says he's like i love you so much and, and it's oh, yeah. the flames logo and it's like just please let me die yeah you know what yeah, i mean yeah, i, yeah. I kind of feel like it's that they're just like not letting verbal like this meme. era of the flames die, which is what I think they should. Just let it go, leave it's it time. alone, and it's time. And and I think also another thing that I wanted to build on when you said they could have like traded them even in the off seat, like in, instead of like the Kachuk deal should have been a futures package. Yeah. Even at the deadline this year, dude, like we weren't really in a playoff spot, no. mm-hmm. and you could have traded some of these guys as well for like hefty packages. I'm not saying they're still <laughs> valuable on these one years that they have left, but like acting like we were, you know gonna make the playoffs because we brought in troy stetcher and this well, whole thing tree and, living and, took off october to the yeah. day he left he didn't he didn't do anything he didn't do anything yeah. no um it's so, like that meme on instagram that's when i was thinking yeah i thought you were talking oh, about yeah. it's like with the, i love the, verbal the, meme yeah the, well, it's like the wrong. car the cartoon airplane oh it's yeah like flying away and it's got that big fucking <laughs> smile on its face yeah and it's yeah, like yeah the big explosion in the yeah. background like yeah and, I think, and I think it was a mix of that, not having leadership. And then yeah. um, I'm not going to put all the blame on Sutter. I'm not going to do that. No. Um, but I think he he played a factor in it too. I just think that his coaching style didn't mesh with some of the guys. I think I think if you look at it, that just I think a great majority of the guys are kind of soft on the team then. They couldn't really like – they didn't appreciate how Sutter coached. Um, but you look at guys like Toffoli – and some of the other guys really appreciated the way he coached. But I think some of the younger guys or like someone like Huberto who kind of had it always easy in Florida didn't really, you know, yeah. mesh with Sutter. So I don't want to really want to blame anybody there, but I just feel like it wasn't really a good fit. 
well, a couple things that you said. I think that the Tchuk stuff was also an extension. I'm thinking of that Muzzin thing. Yeah. Was it, I think they were also right to walk away from that because it was something new every game, and it can't always be an intense thing that you're going at somebody on the other team. It just for 80 games a year, you just can't operate that way. I think they were just tired of every single day there was something new. Um, but I do think that you made a great point about Huberto because, and honestly, the good comparison for this is how they like sort of reworked the Lucic situation into be a positive for them because it was an immovable contract. They got it. They knew they weren't going to get rid of it. It wasn't, it was buyout proof and the people rallied around him and he had a pretty, I would say successful time with the flames. If you asked how he was going to do when he got traded to how he finished out his contract. I think if you accept that Huberto probably can't move on the contract that you have him at for the next eight years, and you say, we're going to turn this into a positive and make him the captain and try to build this team around him because he's the face of the team. I think that's a much better idea than throwing it on Backlund for three years and seeing how that works. So I like that. What do yeah. you think of the new GM and coach? Yeah, I mean, just before, like, just before we we go there, like, this reminds me of you know a situation like kind of what the Maple Leafs were in in like twenty kind of twenty thirteen twenty fourteen when they were god awful for a couple of years and they got all these draft picks. Now they have a different entire like entirely different core, right? Like they got rid of Kadri, Bozak, Phil the Thrill Kessel, GVR, three yeah. times Stanley Cup champion, by the way. Um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Who else? Yeah, Dion, but Dion. Yeah, Dion Phaneuf, exactly, right? So I think it's it's one of those situations where, you know, there's been a, like kind of a mediocre core here for a while that, you know, hasn't gotten the job done and it's time to move on. And yeah. I guess and that takes us now to the new coach and and general manager and I guess front office staff. So which one do we want to start off with first? Let's do the let's do the GM. Okay, I'm so, interested to see what you have to say about this. Guys. I like Craig Conroy. I think this is kind of where the game is moving now, is towards ex players being general managers because I think they not necessarily get it more, but they've been there, they've done it, they've been around it, and they understand how teams operate on a day to day basis. Where if you get bring in a pigeon like Frank Saravalli, like right, he hasn't been in the locker room, right? He doesn't know what he's doing. There's so, a lot of good examples of that though, like totally. Joe Sackick. I'd exactly. agree with that. I yeah. think that's so, a new model, and I like it because he's you know he's been around the team now since 2014. That's when he became the assistant general manager to Jay Feaster. Um, so he like he knows the team, he knows the players that have been drafted and brought up, mm. gone through the system. So I, I like Conroy as the GM. Um, how, sorry, I have to ask you, how do you think of um, when they hired Conroy, they were, uh, they started talking about how he was the reason that Goudreau, that Goudreau was a flame. That yeah. was a little that was, that was a little bullshit. Yeah. Like, yeah. We never heard about it for like eight years, and then the second he becomes yeah. GM, Meet it's like, well, he was guy. the reason. Yeah. He was yeah. the guy. It's like, all right. Exactly. <laughs> but then, and I mean, this is going to be an extremely unpopular opinion. And I already know this, and I haven't really shared this with anybody. Oh, I, I think I know what he's about to say, and I'm about to agree so hard. But, and don't get me wrong, I love Jerome McGinley. Oh, let's go, Nick. I love Jerome McGinley. He McGinla. agrees with you, I agree with you. I think Jerome McGinley is one of the best yeah. power forwards to yeah. ever play hockey. Yeah. Maybe one of the best. Like, I'd say he's a top three power forward yeah. to ever put on skates. Um, But my issue with Jerome McGinley and Craig Conroy teaming up, if you will, and I'm putting that in quotations, <laughs> is that what did they achieve when they were in Calgary? Nick, they, I did not expect you to say this, they, and I'm Nick, so happy. Congrats, they they made it to awesome. the Stanley Cup yeah. final, and yeah. I mean, quite frankly, the puck went in. 
and they should have won a cup. Sure. But at the end of the day, like the same thing happened two sp- or last spring to Blake Coleman, the goal didn't count. There's so no they, didn't, they didn't win the cup. The Flames didn't win the series last year against Edmonton. So what have they achieved, right? Like yeah. you, you need, you need, it's and it's a rare breed these days where you have ex players that have won that are in front office positions, because a lot of the time, like players that win and that have won, do what the Needemeyers do, where they go now and you know spend yeah. spend their time in wherever. I think they yeah. spend their time in wherever they Sik- want to go. Sikamoose, I think it is out yeah. on the lake. You know, mm-hmm. probably you know doing some shots and other activities. Yeah, fun activities, it's probably, yeah, yeah. You know, summer activities. Exactly right, and so. And like I said, I love Jerome McGinley, but I, I and I'm, I'm not saying I disagree with the move. I just think that it's a little overhyped, and 100%. and I and I don't think that it's, you know, like, yeah. I mean, my opinion is that they didn't achieve anything in Calgary, so I don't think we need to act like it's I, I the, the second coming of. Actually, I can't probably shouldn't say that. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. Well, but, even, uh, but even so, even if they did win. The Oilers did this my entire life where it was the 80s glory teams got jobs if you were on the team. And the worst part of it was, and I hated this, it was Kevin Lowe would be terrible, but you the, we wouldn't want to fire Kevin Lowe because he's a franchise legend. So he just has a job now permanently. And it would be the same thing with anybody they brought in. Gretzky was there for a while. Gretzky's brother is still with the team. Mark Messier's yeah. brother is still with the team. Wow. You can't fire these people because they're like institutions in the building. The owner or the new GM or whoever is not going to have the power to say, I'm, I want to get rid of Jerome McGinley. So he's just there. Like, he, he is going to be with the Flames yeah, for yeah, as long yeah. as he wants to be there. And yeah. who knows if he's going to be good or bad, but it's like a insane risk to take because yeah. he's yeah, just yeah. going to be there now. Totally. And and he's going into a role, too, that's entirely opposite of what he's done, right? He's What he's done since he's been retired is he's been coaching. Mm-hmm. He's been coaching his son. He's been coaching, you know, high-level minor hockey players. And to go into a front office role where now it's entirely different. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, because I don't know, maybe it's just because we live in Calgary. Maybe other fan bases do this as well. But I just feel like I see us, we just recycle the 2004 loss as much as any other franchise and we act like we won it. So many other teams have gotten to the Stanley Cup finals and lost. Like, you don't see, like, like, I mean, the Oilers were there in 2006 and I've never really heard them being like, you know, it's just never whatever you lost yeah. and that's it. But for some reason, that 2004 run, everyone just goes back to it. But like what Nick said, like at the end of the day, you actually didn't do anything. And we didn't have a run. We didn't get to the conference finals, I think, ever since then. No. Like that was just the one time. And it was it was almost kind of like one of those like magical runs. Like mm-hmm. kind of what the Kings did. But we but came up short. Oilers did last year too. <laughs> but um, but you have so many other teams that like the Montreal Canadiens, dude. I forgot that they even were in the Stanley Cup finals like Three three years, years ago, ago. two yeah. three years ago, like you don't see them just like waving the like oh twenty twenty yeah what Florida's a time not, well Florida actually might do because they never won a cup yeah like, they it, might it's yeah. it's a loser mentality it's is a loser it mentality is. and I don't yeah. like it um and as for the Jerome thing I hundred percent agree with you I think it's to me it's a it's a cheap PR move and I and it's quite half ass actually because if you look at the job description it's essentially when he has free time from coaching minor hockey. He's not even going to really be with the team all the time. Yeah, no. it'll just be when he has time, he'll be like giving Conroy some pointers. Well, he's going to catch the so, highlights yes. and he'll send he'll some get texts. The highlights, yeah. he'll send some texts, and I just think it's so half-assed. It's just, hey, let's get a get a job. And I was, I was a little disappointed actually by my fellow Flames fans as to how much hype it was getting on Twitter. Yeah. Like we got Bedard. Yeah, like honestly, it was insane. I don't think Bedard would have got that much hype. You know and, what I mean? It's and it crazy. was the it was the timing further on that because 
this could have been done in September. It could have been done in August oh, yeah. to, to prioritize this and get it done when you've got all these expiring contracts. I mean, it's just tone oh. deaf is what it is. Yeah. And yeah, I think, I think this, like the structure of it is like this year, it's going to be like that where he's just, you know, tuning into the local highlight shows at yeah. you know, 10 PM sports center. Da, 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 yeah. da, da, da. Um, but <laughs> 10, 10 highlight. Yeah, exactly. Players. Right. And, but I think, like next year, because he's coaching his youngest son still this year, but I think the next year, this is his son's last year of like playing minor hockey. The next year, that's when he's going to be draft year, more yeah. of like a per- permanent yeah. like role here. Yeah, mm. yeah. So we'll see. But um, the other thing I wanted to point out, I do like your point about Conroy being a, like a former player. I think like, like I don't I said, disagree with the hire. Yeah, I, I like that part, but it, I it do, was the logical hire to me in yeah. my opinion. But at the same time, I do think he has been with the organization for a really long time. And he has been, I don't like at the end of the day, it was always Trey Living's call and other people's, but he has been a part of this like decade of mediocrity to be fair. Like he had a, he had a hand in this. So I hope, you know, that he, he, he has a different view that than Trey Living did and some of the other people. But at the same time, that's kind of my problem that, I don't like that both hires were within the organization. Um, so we can probably get to coach, but like Huska, same thing. He's been an assistant on the team for a really long time and he's been a part of this mediocrity. So I don't like replacing like the existing guys or the former guys with, ex- you know, guys that have already been part of the problem. You, you could say, I think the flames made an even bigger mistake with their coach yeah. um, in my opinion. And I think Huska is a good coach. I think he's a good hockey mind. And I think, you know, I think the Flames overall, I think their game will be more suited to the roster that they have this year. Um, but with that being said, I think there were three options that were, you know, significantly better. I think internally Mitch Love was was the guy instead of Huska, in my opinion, just because he's, you know, grown with the AHL team. Mm-hmm. All these AHL players are going to have roster spots this year. Like your Peltier, your Phillips, if he resigns. Coronado and then all their like younger defensemen. They got that Jeremy Poirier kid who you had a great season, Dustin Wolf. Um, you know, all these younger guys that are in the AHL right now thriving, like Mitch Love groomed them and, and taught them how to play. So internally, if it was gonna be one or the other, I would have picked Mitch Love and now he's in Washington, which disturbs me even more. And then externally, I think, you know, Andrew um Burnett, the guy who was the intern in in term sorry in florida he would have been a great option because he you know he huberto had 115 points playing for for him for two-thirds of the season the other one is joel quinville but q's just like the sutter family no 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 he he coached huberto like in florida for however many seasons i guess but i feel like with q you're going back to just sutter i don't think so kind of and i think uh but like I mean, you need a younger like. Coach I agree. To... No, I agree, and that's why I said Quinville third. But to me, it was, it was Mitch Love, Burnett. Yeah, Quinville was on the bottom of my list, but he would have been the third guy. But I, I think the Flames, you know, made a mistake. I think Husk is a good coach, and I think he's going to be. I think he's going to suit. He's going to coach more suited to the roster that they have. But I think there were better options on the table, and I think losing Mitch Love to Washington is is going to be detrimental to 
the yeah. Flames organization as a whole. So I, I think that the Flames are kind of like taking their time with the coaching thing, which was kind of upsetting to me because yeah. I think they just thought Brunette was going to be there for them to take and he was just waiting for the Flames to offer them a job and Barry Trotz just sacks uh, John, Hines. John Hines and yeah. scoops up uh, Brunette and game over. Like, that's it. Like, he got him in yeah. an hour. Mm-hmm. It's just he made both moves in an hour and it was done. Yeah. But Flames were doing all this analysis and stuff. And I know you got to do your homework and stuff, but like, if the guy's there, like, I don't know... Like what you're waiting for. Like I thought the fit was pretty seamless and um I thought Brunette would have been he would have been my number one, honestly. But yeah. um, you know, I think they just waited a little too long there. And I, I like the you bring up Mitch Love. It worked um sort of the same model as what Edmonton did with their coach, where the guy was down there and was very familiar with the players yeah. who were gonna be coming up. I think that worked really well. I I liked the idea and he obviously had great success in the American hockey league. So yeah. I it was weird to me that that, that that went that way because to me it also felt like last year was a pretty toxic situation so like to me I feel like Flames fans would have been a lot more encouraged and I don't disagree like I think Craig Connor is a qualified general manager but I also think that Flames fans would have been way more excited if they had hired externally and the guy who came in did something different and was like I'm gonna try something that like we haven't seen around here before instead of just promoting from within and giving this idea that it's gonna be more of the same with Iginla and Mark Savard and all these guys like I just disagree with the way they approach the whole thing but I I feel like there would be a lot more reason for Optimus if they had done totally. it that way. And the, the two things that I like about where everything's at is that they have more ex-players in the picture rather than the pigeons like Frank Saravalli. Mm-hmm. Um, again. Huge fix, show for Frank. Yeah, dude. fix yeah, your... Name Frank yeah. needs to fix his fucking hair. It's like... <laughs> it's just awful. It is the worst haircut... It really is. ...in professional sports. And... <laughs> The second thing that I like about it, actually, I forget. Oh, yeah. The second thing that I like about it is that Kirk Muller's fucking gone. Like, yeah. Thank, yeah. thank the hockey gods that Kirk Muller won't be operating that power play next year. Because yeah, that, that was that was painful. When you got like when you got third liners playing with Jonathan Huberto on the power play, of course, they're not going to score any power play goals. But, um, yeah, like I said, I think Mitch Love. Mitch Love was my number one. Barnett was my number two. And I think they made a huge mistake letting Barnett go to Nashville. And I think they made an even bigger mistake losing Mitch Love to to Washington. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think now because you mentioned Kirk Muller and obviously Husk was on the staff last year, I know that you are, and I'll give you a lot of credit for this, you're a Daryl Sutter guy. I would describe yep. you as that. You're a big yep. fan. And I have been on this show for a while now. Whenever I get the chance, I say I feel like he got the rawest deal because I think his greatest strength He's a hockey hall of famer. He could walk into any room and identify what the room needs. I think that is his greatest strength. I think the Flames dressing room was so messed up that he thought, I have to try to do insane things to try to get a rise out of them. I think he saw the problems and tried to do something. Did he overdo it? Yeah, he definitely overdid it. It didn't work out. But I think that just throwing all the blame on him and saying that he was too irresponsible, the year after he gave them the best regular season I think they've had in my entire life, I felt like it was incredibly disrespectful. And, And for the players who said, we're not interested in being back if he's the coach, and then three weeks later, they still say, we want to get traded anyway. That type of like entitled attitude, it just, I just feel that the dressing room was, was a toxic place. I think they need to start from ground zero and try to yeah. build that back up. I don't know yeah. how... It's the identity and the culture. Yeah. And I, I think he got a raw deal. I feel bad for the guy. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, Daryl Sutter is one of the best coaches to ever to ever be in hockey and you know, I think I think his, you know, his system it's it's one that's, you know, it could get grinding and you know, like when you're when you're softer than vanilla and monkey shit. I mean, eventually at some point, you know, it's, it's like you're going to get to the point where it's like, okay, I'm done playing for this guy, mm-hmm. which I mean, the way that the game's going, like it's more and you know, more guys, like more that. and more guys are like that, where they're going to try and, you know, do a lacrosse goal and chip the puck in deep. Right. And <laughs> where and it's stuff like that, where, I mean, Sutter's style is slowly getting weeded out of the game. And, you know, as, as a, as a, as a true ho- hockey, as guy. a hockey purist, it, it hurts me to say, cause I think there is still, you know, that aspect of the game where you got to chip pucks in deep and yeah. you know, get on the forecheck. You look at Vegas, like Vegas oh, yeah. bullied Florida in that cup final. And yeah, you know, it was a pretty quick series. And so I, I do think Sutter definitely got the short end of the stick for sure. I don't think, you know, it was his fault for the way the season played out. I do think that, you know, his it, part of it was, I mean, his style just obviously did not fit with the roster that, Trey Living assembled for him. I mean, he he taught Gaudreau how to be, you know, a two-way yeah. player. Like, if you look at Gaudreau's analytical stats from, like, last season, um, you know, they were, it was one of the best regular seasons in, you know, 35, 40 years. Like, he had the best plus-minus since Wayne Gretzky in 85. Like, that's not a, mm-hmm. that's not a coincidence that Daryl Sutter was his coach, right? And, I, yeah, I think he got the short end of the stick, and I don't think it was a fair... Um, fire but you know it's the way the professional sports goes if you don't perform then they're going to control what happens to the coach and they walk the coach out of the room and i mean now now they're starting from scratch essentially with you know the coach's style and identity that he's going to try and bring and put on the team yeah and and i guess now that leads me to your dream off season what does it look like what type of moves are they making are 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 they rebuilding packages i think you've already specified that and i guess what is your like three-year hopes for the flames where do you want them to be in three years who do you see being on that team in three years i guess what's sort of like arena arena opening night yeah Yeah. in a perfect world it'll be a new arena and what's like the dream outcome for this offseason that'll build towards that day yeah, I think, you know, I think the Flames have a lot of good pieces and, you know, in certain spots. Like I said, I think I think they have the best goaltending prospect in the world. I mean, when you win goaltender of the year back-to-back years in the AHL, it's it's not a coincidence. Like he he can play. So, they got that. They got a lot of young forwards. Like they got, you know, Peltier, Phillips, Coronado, Rizichka. I mean, the list can go on and on. Even experienced guys like Dubé and Mangiapane, you can you know start to build around. But it's about reacqu- reacquiring that top end talent that you know they're they're trying to replace the core. They're trying to you know I think like I mean it comes down to who wants to be here and who doesn't. If Lindholm doesn't want to be here, then you have to trade him. I think you trade him. You try and trade him to Columbus. Columbus should jump all over that if they're smart. I mean, they just yeah. traded for Provorov, so obviously Columbus thinks that they're trying to win. All of a sudden, they're a contender with Mike Babcock and, uh, taking over and and um, Severson, dude. And like Severson. they're going all in. Yes. Like I yeah. geez, get Goudreau his guy. Yeah, exactly right. And I mean, they they brought Babcock in, so obviously you know they. That's <laughs> Cole Sillinger's gonna love that. Yeah. yeah. So you know, single, like. <laughs> I think, you know, I, I could I could totally see, you know, a Lindholm to Columbus trade and I think 
you know, Wade has to involve that pick at three. And, you know, I think the top three picks in the draft this year, they're all centermen. And that's an area where Calgary has never really had a top centerman prospect. Like Like Bennett looked good. And, you know, he was, he wasn't utilized properly in Calgary because of Jeff Ward. So we had to amongst many amongst others. many coaches yeah. that yes, didn't well, understand how I mean, to use Bennett. I guess like Bill, like no, you Bill need to play Peters like McDavid. And, yeah, <laughs> like so, I do him like, fourth overall. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, we traded him, and then I mean Monahan was you know he Monahan I loved, uh, his career loved the guy his career got derailed yeah, by injuries definitely. unfortunately. Um, he was one of the you know he was one He's of the good, good player one yeah. of the better goal scorers in the NHL from you know. 2016 to 2019 yeah and i mean he had like i think it was like three or four consecutive 30 goal years which i mean that puts you in that level but even you would admit he wasn't a a, like a oh a a, top center stanley cup winning first line center he was not that no no, 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 and i yeah i mean i would love to see like if it i mean it just depends if they want to be here if they don't like i think yeah it's it's one of those because t- I mean I I can't trust what draft, Frank Cervalli says. The Canadians I can't too. trust what he says. Like <laughs> like drafts drafts some Canadians too. Like I think Flames generally had I feel like a lot of American players in the past. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe I'm just feel, no. That, that sounds but right. I, yeah. I feel like they've had a lot of American guys, and um, I don't think we've had too much of a problem losing guys to free agency. I think the Goudreau and Kachuk thing was just like you know just the. Stars aligned. Yeah, I mean, Goudreau was here for nine years. He was there for nine years. Long time. um, But I'd I'd like to see some more Canadian guys. And I'd like, like, you look at some of these teams, the way they're built. Like, I, you look at the Oilers. They they built out from down the middle, dude. Yeah. Two two centers and then build around. But like you said, the Flames. I really don't remember the last time we've ever had like a top dog center number one guy. Never, never, never in franchise history. Um, Never, you know. Lindholm might be the closest thing. And I mean, we're talking about Lindholm, who's a great player, but I think that's the closest even, thing. Even he might not be a first line Stanley Cup center. I know, like, but that's what I'm saying. I think that's the closest thing, though, we've got to like a two way guy. You know what I mean? Um, but I think we should really try and build down the middle and then work our way around that. Like, get some centers, man. That's what I said last, like, when we when I came on here in October, like, that's what I said. I said that I would put Lindholm, Kadri, and backland against any other top three centermen in the league and i mean the only one that didn't that didn't underperform was backland this year well, so Kadri, but, Kadri didn't have a good season no no he, yeah. backland no, no, was the only one that was good this year. sorry i misunderstood yeah, yeah, what you said. Yeah. um but also you look at it it took us forever because i know like i was even back in junior high i'm listening to like flames radio in the morning on my way to school and i remember them saying <laughs> the flames will be competitive when backland is your third center He's yeah. your third best center. And it took forever, forever for Backlund to be our third center. And he was already, I mean, he actually had a pretty good year still. Yeah. Um, but it took us forever. It was always just like Monaghan and Backlund. Yeah. And then once Monaghan got screwed, they put Lindholm there and it was still Backlund as the second guy. So yeah. they, for some reason, they just never prioritized just loading up down the middle. Yeah. Which I, is a way, like, you've been saying this for years, is the way that, like, game is, like, that's just the way the game's played. And I, well, the, I mean, the game, down the, the, center, the game plays through the middle of the ice. Yeah, yeah and um, I would say that, honestly, the Kings and, and Vegas did a really good job of that, too. And, and yeah. Vegas gets a lot of uh, bonus marks for jumping on that Eichel trade when they oh, did. Yeah. Yeah. But the way the Kings did it, I thought was really smart, too. I mean, all their picks have been centers pretty much at the top, except for the defensemen they had from Barry. But they also got Deneau from Montreal, which was a really good signing. So, 
I think I don't know how I don't know how the no left Montreal. It's crazy to me. The French Canadian. Oh yeah, yeah. That was yeah. that's insane. Well, still, well, if PDL though goes to uh, LA. LA, he's got a little Montreal sh- boy there, yeah, and just they start can, sniping they him. Can yeah. Start, yeah, he's gonna have a good time. So yeah. it's like yeah. those like McDonald's commercials, like the little mini goalie and little mini players. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. stacked him up. Yeah, yeah, stacked him up. Yeah, that guy was sick. Maple syrup. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess quickly, I'll run through this list, and then you tell me if you want him to stay or go. Markstrom would be the first name on that. I'm, I'm good Markstrom for him to stay. To stay. For Just because sure. of Wolfie. Yeah. I mean, so, Mark he's got three years left, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Markstrom, you're not going to trade him for anything this offseason. Like, his, his value is low. I mean, yeah. with, a th- with three years left at $6 million, like, you're not going to get anything for him. Because if he has a and rebound year this year and then he exactly. only has two years left on the deal, maybe you eat some salary. Like, you could maybe get some value back. Yeah. Like, you're not going to get anything from Markstrom, and the only th- he's not going to get worse. Like, it, yeah. it's tough for him to get worse this year. Really I do bad. think that the team, like... He was better at the end of the season. Failed, like, did not oh, help yeah. Markstrom out at all. Yeah. 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 I thought, yeah. I mean, once his kid was born, I think he was a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think that had something to do with it. But I, I do think that the team left him high and dry. Again, for all 82 games this year instead of just five last spring. Um, yeah. That was tough. But, yeah, I, I would keep Markstrom for sure. Okay. I, I don't think he's going anywhere either. No. I'd yeah. be shocked. I would be too. And I think we can talk about goalies more in a second. What about Coleman? Um, he's got to stay. He's I think got four years. Yeah, I like. think he. I think he'll stay. I don't think he's. That's a tough contract move. as well to move. I mean, I. I wouldn't say Coleman. I mean, he's overpaid for sure, like mm-hmm. a little bit. I mean, he he fits his role perfectly. What he does, he's a great third line player. He's like but, more to like a three to four instead of a four to five mil guy. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, you know, he can chip in every once in a while. But, yeah, I don't think he's going anywhere. Where would you be at on the idea that you pair him up with a Lindholm and say if you take Lindholm, you got to take Coleman or you got to take Weger or you got to take no, Kadri? No, I'd, I'd keep Coleman because I don't think it's like – I don't think he's a subtraction or a negative. Like, he's, like the Flames aren't bad because of Coleman or anything. So I'd keep him because if you're attaching him to like a Lindholm, then – I think you're not getting back max value because it's like we're taking on this kind of not so great contract. So and I'd I, keep it. I don't think Uyghur's going anywhere either. Oh well, I think there's Uyghur, no. I think Uyghur's drastically underrated. I thought. Oh, Uyghur's he, a tremendous. He, he didn't. He didn't score a ton this year, but I mean, his uh, game defensively was rock unbelievable. Solid. He's really good. So, but I don't know who would like trade. Maybe someone would trade for an eight-year. Yeah, eight eight seven year contract depending on if they trade him. If, know, yeah, if you're trying when, to when win, they trade him. But but I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. There. So that I think that's pretty good. I think yeah. I guess in a in a dream world they're sort of built around a rebuilding package of players and it's sort yeah. of a mix of the old and the new. That's what I'm saying. You keep the guys that you can't really move, which are yeah. the Markstroms, the Coleman's, the Huberdos, Cadres, Riegers, <laughs> and I think you get rid think, of these I think, guys. I think. 31 other teams in the NHL would be happy to take Uyghur on for eight by Oh, yeah, they would. Five. But I, I don't know if I'm, like, rushing to move Uyghur. No, I, I don't think I'm that. running to move him. I'd, I'd, I'd keep him for a few more years and see what happens. Um, And I like it way more instead of, like, a... Because, like, Buffalo, like, kind of wiped it too clean where it was just young guys after young guys and yeah. there didn't seem like there was much of a veteran presence. Like, they signed Okaposo and, like, Ocaposo. that was yeah. about it. Yeah. But here, like, you you name the guys. You got Kadri and Huberto, Uyghur, Coleman, um, Markstrom, a few more guys. And then you bring in that young talent. I think it balance out much nicely because then the young guys aren't being asked to do too, too, too much yeah. and they can take their time and, and gain their minutes in the NHL. So I, I think that's the perfect that. way to do it. 
Yeah, I think you've got something. And I said this to Nick when he walked in. I said, I think in two weeks, you're going to be very happy because I, I think you'll so, get man. a lot of good stuff back. Yeah. And it's exciting. I think that this this has been a... Uh, like a suck of energy from Flames fans, this core of players that's honestly, from the outside at least, yeah. quite yeah. uninspiring. I oh, think yeah. it's going to be great to shuffle the deck and move on. So I don't get I these neg to, this negative thing that I see everywhere. It's like all these players want out. It's like, this is like a really good thing. That they're yeah. forcing our hand. I think it's yeah. a blessing in disguise. Totally. Yeah, I mean, usually at Flames games, like I get the crowd going a bit, but this year I tried and... There's nothing like the crowd. And I can vouch for that. I've yeah, seen, oh yeah. I've, I've seen this live. I've yeah. seen, I've been to a game with Nick and um, I've gone to one with you and I've yep. one, we didn't even know we were going to together and Nick's, Nick's definitely the life of the party there. So yeah, typically you start yelling at the refs. King yeah. of the dome, dude. Yeah. King of the dome. Everyone knows Nick there. So when but, you, uh, when you look back at this flames run though, I guess like what's, What's the number one regret? Like of the last like ten years, what hurts like the moves most? Lies? Anything? I'll tell you one hundred percent, one thousand percent. What the biggest regret is, and it's not even close. Michael Frolik. He's the reason why Kachuk didn't sign an eight-year contract oh, back yeah. in twenty nineteen, and the Flames ended up trading him two months later to Buffalo of all places, and now he's gone and just you know. He's, I don't get how that he, works, he's a though. Top five player in the NHL. Why couldn't this year? they? I think they didn't have the space, Correct. so that they had like they because had like seven million space. They're like, we'll sign you to all seven. Yeah. But if they had traded for Leak at the time, it would have cleared the long term they, space. They, they signed for Leak to like a three year extension oh, that off season. Yeah. Oh, okay, and okay. so then they didn't have the room okay, to sign Kachuk to an eight eight by Ten nine, essentially yeah. what it was, oh, and then yeah. Okay. okay. Now Kachuk's top sense. five player in the league this year. So yeah. That's your number one regret. My I, number I one regret it. personally is Phil knows this is not making the Eichel trade. I think the Eichel trade takes us over the top because that's a that's yeah. a star player. That's I, I a star player that you pair yeah. up with Goudreau and Kachuk. And for people saying that Kachuk was gonna go back in the like that that was not gonna happen. Like no what do you mean? Like Kevin Weeks was saying oh it was gonna be Kachuk for Eichel. That that was not happening. Um it was gonna be like futures and some other guys. Yeah. Um but that's my number one regret because I think Eichel would have brought a dynamic to us that we didn't have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I had the big, I had one of the biggest blowups of all time on Instagram after after Eichel got traded to uh, Vegas. Yeah, like I just I oh, I'll never forget that. I woke up and it was an early early morning and, trade. It was like yeah. a because I I was going to the hospital then for work and you know we start at seven. You know I get up at whatever six and the trade happened at six in the morning and I'll never forget it. Yeah, eating my fucking banana all. Yeah. Just wanting to vomit, but yeah, it was. That's my number one regret for sure. Yeah, I mean that's one and two. I'd say, yeah, probably. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. No, the drill thing was tough. Yeah. To I'm not going to get into threes. That. Threes probably given Jeff Ward employment. Yeah, that's a good one. I'd say I we can just rattle them all. But. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot. That's so, why I was curious. Yeah, I I don't think you know. I saw. I was sort of glazing through responses to something like this the other day, and I don't think. Losing Giordano for nothing. He wasn't going to get you that much oh, anyway on, at that yeah, point in his career. He could go in the expansion draft. I don't think the Gaudreau thing is a... Like, he had a great season. Like, you made the playoffs. You were the number one seed in the division. From what the Flames thought, man, they were super convinced that he was signing. So I, I, I didn't get I, the I Flames. Can, I you can't blame Trey... I mean, you can, but I, I'm not putting 100% blame on Trey yeah. Living in the team. Because they. I think they genuinely thought... And I believe them that they genuinely thought he was going to resign. I believe that too. I so. think if they had the same team this year as they did last year, I think they would have done quite well. And I just... I mean, it's one of those things, right? Where, like, when you run it back, 
Like, that's what they always say in sports is, like, let's go run it back. Like, what was that meme with LeBron when that guy that was getting, like, drafted to Cleveland back in, like, Oh, 2018 yeah. was like let's run it back and yeah, yeah. it was like that video of LeBron Colin at the Sexton. press conference yeah, yeah. Colin Sexton and it was that video of LeBron like picking up his briefcase and walking out of the press conference like it's <laughs> so bad but uh, yeah I mean I, I think yeah losing Goudreau and, and Kachuk was was detrimental and I think yeah I think you know those it's hard are, to come back from that. yeah and those are the top three biggest regrets for sure that you know not signing Kachuk to that eight year extension not trading for Eichel especially when you look at what Vegas had to trade away to get Eichel it, it seems like it's pennies yeah. pennies on the dollar in my opinion I mean mm-hmm. I was I was shocked that Brad Trailing couldn't muster up something better than that yeah and, um and the other young forward I actually just came to my mind was Connor Zary. that's one that hasn't gotten a shot yet in the NHL on the Flames roster I don't know, I don't know how why nice I just thought he's of looking, that though, but, but, but I mean yeah. hopefully yeah, but Give him a chance. And then, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then the third one is, yeah, Jeff Ward's employment. That was a tough run yeah. in, a, in a critical season. I, only other thing I want to ask you, we talk about something else. Does it hurt watching Chuck go to the finals with the Panthers? Or, um, or are you happy? Like, where? which one is it? Because it's usually not in the middle. I was, like, I was happy for him, for sure. Um, yeah. Like, I feel like, you know, I... Probably didn't want to see him like lift the cup though. No, like yeah. I mean I think this was perfect. Like he gets to the finals and loses. I, I, I was cheering was... for Florida over Vegas for sure. Like Vegas and Edmonton can you know, I was I was hoping that they went seven games and you know, saw some both lost, maybe. Yeah, and you know, maybe you know, went into like a triple overtime game seven and you know, both teams got beat up pretty badly, but um, you know, that didn't happen unfortunately, thanks to Stuart Skinner. And um I, I, I wouldn't say I'm happy that Florida lost, but I'm I I'm. I would have been fine if Kachuk won the cup this year. That's and a pretty civil answer. Yeah. yeah I'd, I'd I. If that was me, that. it would make me sick. Yeah. Like, and, you like, know, I, that's I, just how I'm wired, though. I would yeah. be beyond upset. Yeah, and I mean, you'll get to see that with McDavid in Toronto yeah, here in a we'll few see. years, and <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, you know, I I was like at the time I was happy with the return that we got for the Kachuk trade, and I'm still you know optimistic and confident in the return that we got, but. So that I think you know it gives me a little bit more peace with it with him going to the Cup final. I still think Huberto is you know an excellent playmaker, and I think he's gonna have a great season. But like if I had like if I had like a ton of doubt with Huberto, then I would be probably a little bit more frustrated than what I am. Mm-hmm. So okay, well that's good. I'm happy to hear that, and I'm glad we could flush out the flames. Um, I don't know. Do you want to do anything about the Oilers? Because I uh, I can answer anything you want to know. No, I think you know, in up in oil country, I think it was just another disappointing spring. <laughs> um, just one of many recent, like in recent memory. I mean, we could just go on and on with the yeah. list, like 2020 yeah. bubble against Chicago, losing in four games to the 12th seeded team, uh, getting swept by Winnipeg in 21. You know, getting simply outclassed by Colorado in twenty two. What happened in the series before? Um, that? Yeah, I mean the refs and the one the before game, that. Game five. What was the series um, score though? If we lost that, were we going to be up going home? Or you hadn't won yeah, all year? No, and yeah. <laughs> I think there's so many fundamental issues with the Edmonton Oilers, <laughs> like just with how the team's constructed. Um, I couldn't disagree more. You know, like I think Ekholm was a great addition to the Oilers. I said that. I think I told you that, Phil, and I, I. Yeah, I thought Ekholm was a great addition. Um, but I just I still think that, you know, the, the biggest issue is the goalie. 
And I think, I mean, that's what you saw. I, I don't recall exactly what Stuart Skinner's save percentage was in the playoffs, but I believe it was below nine. Yeah, it was somewhere in there. So, exactly. And, I mean, that's an issue. Like, you're not going to win too many series when your goalie isn't saving 90% or better of the pucks. And, I mean, that's where the fundamental issue is. And But I, mean, I would agree with you. But uh, usually I would. And I would say you need a excellent goalie. But how many excellent goalies are available that are, okay, let's just, like, go through. I think it's, like, three to five. Like, Vasilevsky, Saros, uh, Shesterkin, Sorokin. Is there another? Is there another person like in that tier? I don't. Connor Hellebuck, who's on the trade market right well, now. Well, I don't think that he would be in that tier anymore if the seasons he's had lately. I, I don't watch the Jets that much, he but was, I, he was a Vesna. He's a Vesna finalist this year. I, I don't. He wasn't good in the playoffs. Is, is no. Yeah. yeah, but he was so, also but, like. I mean, he was playing with. Like the team in front of him was yeah garbage. Yeah, but what a goalie. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's still yeah. Still yeah. Uh, no, for sure. He, guys have done more with less. I would say, the thing is, to me, I I don't think it matters really who the goalie is anymore because I just watched Aiden Hill get get a nine twenty on the way to the cup. And the year before yeah. I watched Darcy Kemper Darcy do a nine ten. So it just matters how you play at the time. That's that's really how I feel. I think the the goalies six to thirty five in the NHL are interchangeable. And it's yeah. I, I just I think you could roll out the ball again and Stuart Skinner might have a 9-10. Like, there's no way to predict it. It's just it's completely hard. random. I, I do think he ran out of gas. He'd never played more than six in a row, and they tried to play him 14, 15 in a row, and it just he, the wheels just came off. That's what I think happened to him. I, but next year, I don't know. Yeah. Like, you can't say definitively if it's going to be different because I just watched Aiden Hill win the Cup with Vegas. I think you guys just need to get another, like, dog on defense, like another Ekholm. I don't even... I think they run back the same team they might beat Vegas. Like I don't know. The thing I think why Vegas was so good was because they had like five top four defensemen. Five, yeah. Five or six. Five dogs. Uh, oh, man, their defense was so good. And I think Ekholm's like the biggest minute cruncher on there. Yeah. And the biggest guy that's solid defensively. Who else is really like locked down? I mean, Richard if, and if Nurse, Nurse had are, a better pair partner i think he could be a different story i don't mind cc but if he had oh, a guy yeah. with him who was a little more his speed I but think that's what i'm saying at home's like just locked down like he's yeah. like but that's what i that's what i think i think th- like it's i don't think anything needs to change i think it was a 2-2 series with vegas both of the games edmonton won were blowouts in edmonton's favor edmonton outshot them by 30 in games five and six combined i don't I don't feel like it was like a crucial, like they have X amount of issues and they need to be fixed. I think they just go again and see what happens. Like it'd be great to get another defenseman. Yeah. But I don't think there's like a flaw with the way they're built. I think they didn't, there were problems in the playoffs, but I, I would just run it again. Like I don't see anywhere where it's like, this needs to be upgraded. Definitely. But like, I mean, just to your point, like if you're saying that, you know, they're out shooting teams by that margin, like doesn't that point back to the goalie? But it, and but it doesn't like who knows what the goalie's going to do is my point. Like I feel like they did good things. It was just they didn't get the goaltending. You know, if you have Connor Hellebuck this this playoff run versus Stuart Skinner, I I think well, I, I, don't I think, think Edmonton can fit Hellebuck on the. Well, roster. no, I mean they might have to you know send out you know a bigger piece going back. Which I mean at some point you have to look at that as okay, sure you know Ryan nothing happens is great you know he's he, he's get me you know 70 power play points and you know 24 <laughs> like five on five points but you know at what point 
does he have all this trade value? Do I trade him, retain my two biggest assets, and get a goalie back that you know can actually stop the puck? And I mean, I I, I honestly believe that like in the playoffs, the most important position is your goaltender. I mean, I think Darcy Kemper is like. When he played in Arizona, he had some damn good numbers for playing in, in Arizona. Like he he had some nine twenties, he had some nine like high nineteens. And <laughs> but but and he's not. Like, but he's still yeah, not like yeah. like Stuart Skinner had type of numbers like that this year in the regular season. Yes, and I mean I, I would like I would put like Darcy Kemper's like a he's close to being top ten. Like he'd be in that like nine to twelve range, I would say. And um, at, especially at the time that Colorado traded for him, he was definitely there. And I don't know, I, I think it's a fundamental issue not having a, a solid goaltending and putting all your eggs into the forward basket. And I just don't think it's a recipe to win. And, I mean, they did win. They beat L.A., which that was a damn good series. That was, was a really, really good series. You know, they were extremely competitive with Vegas. Like, that was another really good series. But at the end of the day, the issue was the goaltending. And, I mean, it's been... the against Colorado wasn't the goaltending. They were just simply the inferior team. Yeah. But, I mean, the year before, like, Mike Smith had an awful series against Winnipeg. But at the same time, Mike Smith outplayed Markstrom, who Markstrom would be in the Hellebuck category. Like, to me, it's just so... I just don't care, like, about the goalie. I just think it's completely dependent on the series and whatever happens. Like, Campbell was so bad in the regular season, and he won them the Los Angeles series with the way he played in Game 4. Like, I don't know. I, to me, I just, I don't know. I don't know that a goalie is, like, the number one thing that I would want if it's, it was them. I, if to, I, me, to me, I want another forward. Yeah. I, I don't I don't really, defense, whatever, at this point, I, I don't think we're going to be able to get another top four guy. If we can get another top six forward, I think that that would be great. Yeah, and I, I mean, I see it. I see the Edmonton Oilers as... The Colorado Avalanche from two years ago, where it's just it's failures in the playoffs. You make it to the second round. I don't think Colorado ever made it to the conference final. Or I don't think they got so. Beat no. by Vegas, I think that one year. That was, I yeah. think that was round two, second yeah. round. Yes, mm-hmm. but oh, and yeah. then they made that trade for Kemper, who had one year left on his deal. Hellebuck has one year left on his deal. I could I see I see so many similarities where where it's just you know, playoff failure and, you know, Edmonton had a really good team this year and I thought Edmonton could have done some damage and I mean, it pains me to say that, but I, I do believe that, but I just think that there are some fundamental issues and I think, you know, at some point coming up and I'm being dead serious right now, I'm not even trying to poke the bear (laughs) where it's like (laughs) at some point you have to consider the fact that Drysdale and McDavid contracts are starting to come down to, you know, two and three years left and like, I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, joke around. I'm being dead serious that, you know, at, at what point do you have to be like, okay, if we don't start to do something here, like, are these guys going to sign with us? And well, I just don't think there's a world where they would look at another team and say, I have a better chance to win by by going here, going to place X. I just, I just don't think that place exists. Totally. And, I mean, that's, that's a fair argument. But I think, you know, f- to carry a team for so long without having any success – that's when it kind of reaches that point where it's okay. We've done everything we can. Now what's the team doing to help us? I agree with that. Right? It's kind of like, I mean, 
it's an entirely different sport now, but it's kind of like, I mean, Lamar Jackson, who hasn't had any weapons. Aaron Rodgers didn't get a wide receiver drafted for him his entire time in Green Bay in the first round. Like, it's it's that type of situation where it's like, okay, you have an elite goaltender who's a top five goalie in the NHL easily in Hellebuck, who's available for trade. He's got one year left on his contract. Probably not going to take an insane package to get him. Like, Edmonton's been linked to Eric Carlson. Like, that's the last thing they need. To take their power play from thirty two percent to thirty five, they don't need that. Would that would be sick, though. It would be just to just just <laughs> to get be snapping to, it around to, be to so give good. Nugent Hopkins seventy four power yeah. play points instead of seventy two. Give Gully give Gully another tool yeah, to work with. Exactly. Yeah. Did it make you a little upset to see Gullitson wearing the that vest and their like greatest power play ever? Oh, I that mean, was so I mean, cringe. fuck. If I ran that power play, it'd be forty percent for Christ's sake. <laughs> like, but I, that's just my opinion. To yours, I think at some point they have to realize that. Not necessarily realize, but they have to make a decision where it's like, okay, we've done it now with McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Eugene Hopkins for however many years, and you know, well, like we're, we're not leaving winning. the team though. He signed a huge extension and stuff, and I think Dreisaitl wouldn't leave the team because he's. I just think like international players, I don't think they yeah. would leave the team. You said he like grew up in and around, not grew up, but um, played his junior hockey somewhere yeah. around Prince, Edmonton. Prince Albert. Prince yeah. Albert. Yeah. Um, I think he's fine. Like he'd stay. The, I don't know. McDavid is weird. Cause I think he's a little crazy like that. Where if in the three, if you guys, you guys don't win something in the next three years, he's, I, I don't he, mean, I don't mean to sound arrogant. I would be very surprised if they don't win in three, in yeah, so, no, something no, in three years. I, I, I would I, be I, very I told surprised. You that. I told yeah. you that. I told you that. I, I, I do agree with Phil. I would be surprised if Edmonton doesn't actually win a cup in the next three years. I, I'm going to be honest. It pay, like it pains me to say that, but it's the fact. Um, but if they don't, I think McDavid's like, he's got a legacy to worry about too. Like I don't, and, and I know it's hard to leave dry saddle, but I don't know. I feel like he, he would be the type to maybe just be like, all right, peace. And then Matthews Go is one LA. A, one B in, in Toronto would be pretty. Yeah, be pretty well, sweet. yeah. Well, Matthews, Matthews is trying to. Matthews will be on another team in a year anyway. I, I so going to wait up, find a way to mess that up. up so I, I still, I don't know. I think that Edmonton needs to look at making a splash for Hellebuck or even Carter Hart, who's available. Like, I mean, Carter Hart's Sounds been like playing in, 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 in the dump of the NHL for the past however many I years. I don't see much of a difference though between Carter Hart and Stuart Skinner. I agree, but I think there's a huge difference. Carter Hart's know. been there and done that. He played on Team Canada in the World Juniors, which... But Stuart Skinner's I mean, won Calder. He won ECHL. Yes. He's won at every level. Like, goaltending's it's the most pressure position other than probably a yeah. quarterback in sports. Yeah. And I, I think you, you need an elite goaltender to win. And I think that's something that you've seen this year. But Aiden was Hill it, and was, Darcy was an exception. I think we're beating a dead horse here. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I mean points proved. So. That's that's mm-hmm. my that's my opinion. I don't think you guys are ever gonna agree, but Corey Crawford, I see points, Jonathan Quick. Yeah, no, I see I see your points, but I also see Phil's points. So, um, Tim speaking Thomas. of pressure cooker, what's pressure cooker mm-hmm. in the in the golf world? Yeah, give us like, a quick it's golf. Getting, like it's getting yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. Basically, there was like a a merger that just happened with the PGA Tour, the Live. Whatever you want to call it, tour. Live golf, yeah. Live golf. Uh, yeah, I guess it's not really a professional golf tour. Um, <laughs> and the DP World Tour, which is Europe. And yeah, basically the three tours have aligned, I believe, starting in 2024. And um, 
So that's it. That's just one big league. Yeah, that's how it's gonna work. One big tour, I think. I mean, I, live golf didn't exist a few years ago, so it's not that hard to imagine what one one big tour would look like. No. And what's it called? I don't know. Nobody oh. no, nobody knows oh, some okay. of the finer details yet of it. But I mean, I know that there's some players that are pretty frustrated just because they turned down. I mean, a Brinks truck worth of money and like, for that same cause, so for that, that they could same keep thing. the PGA exactly. Yeah. And I mean, it's I don't know. I I think it's you know it. It hurts the game's legacy and kind of the the foundations and, you know, the values that the game was built on. And, yeah, I mean, I, I don't agree with it, but, I mean, hey. I mean, money talks, right? Money like, talks. And mm-hmm. Jay, Jay Monahan's almost as big of a pigeon as Frank Saravalli. I so. think he's a bigger pigeon. Yeah, it's up. It's who's, close. Who's Jay Monahan? He's the commissioner of the PGA Tour. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I, I can he, see why he's yeah. a pigeon. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Oh, Owen uh, just came for the last yeah. five minutes. For the last five minutes of the pod, but let's go. So <laughs> good to see yeah, you. Yeah, he's looking handsome as ever, of course. Um, oh, says you. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's a joke. Like it's, you know, it's that's interesting. I didn't know <laughs> yeah. they were in a golf. Like it's, I what? think it was the easiest sport to but, like buy out. Yeah. Probably, probably. So. So yeah, I mean, it's whatever. It it is what it. I mean, I. Do you feel the details, sad? Like, details you, are still scarce, so it's yeah, hard to. It's it's tough to have an opinion right now, just because I don't know like the exact details of it because hasn't been announced yeah. yet. But all I know is the three tours are are joining together. Interesting. So what do you think about like like Tiger and like the guys who didn't join the lift? Do you think they're upset? They should be upset. Yeah, I mean, like you turned down so much money, and I mean yeah, now like you could have taken it. Well, I mean that's I mean. <laughs> Like that's the thing, right? Is I mean, it's it's a it's a lifestyle change for sure. Like, I mean, you got yeah. Dustin Johnson like letting it snow on the boat, like having a nice time on the old fishing boat <laughs> in uh, West Palm Beach, Florida, and just snows pretty hard down it there. Snows hey. hard down there. Yeah, for one guy <laughs> with DJ on guy. the boat. <laughs> Actually, wow. there's a clip at the at the U.S. Open. DJ hit a drive, and some fan yelled, "Let it snow!" I <laughs> laughed. I laughed pretty hard when I saw that. I won't lie. Oh man. Man, it's uh, I I feel like they will be compensated in some way. If you turn down money, you'll be compensated. It would be, have be to be a terms compensated of compensated financially. Yes, you. It would really? have to be terms of the merger. I'm sure yeah. because there if you be. if you were under the, if you were under contract with a place and under the impression that you, you leaving this place while you would get all this money, you would lose your ties to this place, and yeah. then three months later, it was like, all right, we're actually together now. I'm sure that you would. Yeah, be. I can see how sticky that could be. Like. Like, um, I mean, I follow tennis, right? I don't see why something like this couldn't happen with tennis in like four yeah, or five for years. Sure, they, yeah. they come and they start buying players and stuff. And then you got ATP versus live tennis, top tennis players. And half of them are staying because they have principles and stuff. And, um, you know, so. The other half like to let it snow. Well, that's what I'm saying yeah, because, need the coins. you know, like, <laughs> like Djokovic and Nadal, like they probably don't need the money, but you could like someone that's ranked top 20th. And they get a bag. Yeah, I mean, why? You know, like why that, wouldn't they? The hothead guy. Uh, oh, Kyrgios. Yeah, Kyrgios. Oh, like he'd be yeah. their number one signing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, he'd, he'd make yeah. so much money yeah. over there just because yeah. he's like, I guess, somewhat marketable too. Well, I don't. I just, don't see. Like, I don't understand why they wouldn't just get involved in like every sport. That's what I'm saying. I feel like they are though. Yeah, like it's a, it's coming. It's coming. They have like unlimited money though. They have unlimited money. It's yeah. insane. So, so I mean, they already purged golf. Soccer's next. Yeah, soccer's literally like it's, it's like it's happening yeah. right now. That's an expensive buy, though. Oh yeah, oh it's but, taking a lot. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I don't see why their next move couldn't be something like tennis because tennis seems like something they could shake up pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. just the way with golf because it seems very similar. 
mm-hmm. singular players. Same, totally. like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. What well, about how much the... do you think it would cost to buy like all the top soccer players in the world? That's like hundreds of bill, like hundred oh, billion, not billion. That'd be like trillions. Yeah, I think so. I think, so. I think yeah. it would get pretty pricey pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. but uh, and yeah. I mean they're paying like big bucks for some of these guys, yeah. like twenty to fifty mil for some yeah. of these. They offer Tiger Woods like a billion dollars just to come and tee it up on hole one. That's insane. At their first Is that event. real? That's yeah. insane. Billion dollars. Just to tee off. Yeah. Wow, that's sick to, from Tiger. To hit to a not, golf ball to and not walk 18 holes. I love Owen joining in for the last five minutes. And he brought his show. laptop it was too. Sick. Yeah. So it's sick. So I can pull up. So I, well, yeah. I was going to ask some questions, but I'm assuming you covered most of them. I don't want to retread it. No, I, go. We'll just ask questions well, and we'll see if we talked about I'm it. I'm sure anymore. you already talked about the Flames' new hiring. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. There was yeah. lots about that. Lots of that. Yeah. It was mostly Flames stuff, but I, I feel like you guys probably got, judging from like our last session. Oh, we got some session, talk in there too. Okay. Yeah. These two were going back and forth. So. Any Campbell, Campbell talk? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I mean, mean, Cam- I mean Campbell, that. he saved the other season and he did. In, oh, in, in, the in game four, but I mean, he. Almost ruined it at the start. Like, so, do you think? Do you he, think he, that he, that he, looks like it? That, that looks he, like another he, James Neal he. type of contract where <laughs> a potential he. buyout is in the works. But yeah, no, we'll get you back for Broncos or if something happens with the, with the Flames, and then probably NHL preview again. Yeah, would be good. That'd be a good time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So let's pencil that in. Thank yeah. you for joining us. Yes. So thank you Probably for sometime in August, I'm thinking. That would be good. Doing oh, can I ask mm-hmm. one more? Sorry. One <laughs> last question. <laughs> last oh, question. Last question. I just, one more question. So we'll be back a week from today. I think that's the third or the fourth. Um, so yeah, we'll talk to you guys then.